Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to making you a faster cyclist, the Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. I'm Coach Jonathan Lee, and we have a special guest with us in here today, Cliff Bar Racing's Pete Morris. How's it going? It's going great, man. Also, I should introduce you as Trainer Road's Pete Morris. Yeah, I'm, I'm both. Yes, because you're both. <laughs> More on the ladder now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and our CEO, Nate Pearson. Hello. How are you, Nate? Good. Good. How are, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing... Uh, I'm doing <laughs> I, I just okay. found out you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Uh, this is where we answer the cycling and triathlon-related questions that you've submitted at trainerroad.com slash podcast. Thanks for submitting them. We get a ton of them every week and go through them to build up this list of questions that we go through this week. Uh, so we've got a good set of them today. Before we get into things, one thing uh, really quick, an exciting announcement for us. If you go over to forum.trainerroad.com, you can see that we have a new feature that we have an early access, we call it. Uh, Nate, do you want to go through and explain I, it? I do. Please do. <laughs> Please do it. So we, uh, it's called Plan Builder. And here's the problem before. Our number one question to support and on the podcast is how do I adjust my training plan for X, Y, Z? If I didn't have specifically 28 weeks, and also I didn't know which blocks to choose from our training plan. Which training plan do I pick? In yeah. fact, I think if we cut those two questions out of the podcast, we're going to need you guys to submit some more questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully this never happens again. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll probably answer some for the I'm principle, sure, of but course. Yeah, guys, yeah. we never have to do it again. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> so it, what it does is you put in your, uh, your goal events, A, B, and C races, and then it looks at that and builds a plan for you. You can have more time, I think up to two years, and it rebuilds things for you and redoes everything. Uh, so what we did is we it's took amazing. Chad's brain, we downloaded <laughs> it, and now he's not here because it just like wiped him out. You know? uh, that's why, that's why he's just it. laying in a yeah. bed somewhere. Yeah, exactly. It's, Comatose. It's like in the Matrix. He's like in a tube and we just have everything connected. He yeah. just stays there. Now. So um, if you want access to this, this is an early access right now, meaning you cannot... Uh, it's not just on the website live. You can either go to your account and it's under profile on the website, or the best way is you go to forum. There's a pin topic called introducing plan builder and you go in there and it has some instructions. There are some known bugs. That's why it's early access. So that, that way you don't report it again. And if you do run into something, please report it in that forum post. We have support people in there and we have the product manager. It makes it a lot easier and we're fixing things really fast. So once we get those things done, we'll release it to everybody. And the idea is you just apply it and you train. And it's amazing. Faster. Yep. It's so cool. Super cool. Positive feedback. We launched it yesterday evening and there's like, what does this forum post have? 130 comments. My Strava had like 30 comments on it. Yeah. Yep. It's really cool. Lots so. of, lots of data, math, science research has gone into this sort of thing to give you the best plan that you can have. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's really, really cool. So it's, it's so fun to play with, right? <laughs> it is. It, it's <laughs> yeah. like, uh, in, in one respect, it's almost like, uh, when you like build and price a car before buying it and you check out all the options, like it's kind of funny cause you can see what the plan would be if you did low or mid, and then you can go in for example, and it'll give you like different training phases and bring you in and out of them as is appropriate. And you can say, well, during this phase, I want to work out on these days. And I might want to change the, you know, th to be inside or outside on these days. You can change yeah. all of that. You could set it up. So, so like cool. in April, you're going to start working outside. Yeah. And then on different days and then change it back in the fall. Yep. Um, the other cool neat. thing is that once you have, so you can see all this too, without applying it to your calendar. So you can kind of play with it. But then once you apply it to your calendar, uh, you can change the volume in the middle of it. Yep. So if you, if you go through, let's say high volume or you go through low volume and you decide, mm -hmm. Ooh, I want to switch to medium. You can, there's, you click on the little annotation for that plan when it starts and you can switch it to medium, mm -hmm. which is super, super cool. handy. Cause yeah. I think all of us. And that's too, so this could, the, the let's say this is build. Build could be a, a weird six week thing mm -hmm. rather than a eight week thing, mm -hmm. which before it was really hard to then reapply it as a medium. Yeah. Um, 
but now you just do a drop down and it changes it for you. Yeah. yeah so it's no longer are the blocks always going to be X, you know, that the base is going to be always 12 weeks or builds always going to be eight weeks, but we use all the data that we have and everything else to trend you in the right direction. And it truncates or extends and does all those things. So you don't have to worry about it. If you have two a races, even, and they're eight weeks apart, at least eight weeks apart, then it will trend you between and kind of bring you down. Like you need to be brought down, but then build you back up for those sort of events. If you have two, eight week, two, a races less than eight weeks apart, you should rethink it because really you're not going to be able to peak for both. Yes. One's technically like one's a B because you, you just don't have enough time to rebuild after mm -hmm. when you, Chad would tell you this, but when you, uh, taper and you peak, yes, you have high fitness, but you're going to lose some fitness after that. For sure. You got to build it back up. Yep. And the other cool thing that you can add is if you, so when you're going through the whole process of adding the plan, you can add your events right then, or if you already have events on your calendar, it will just pull those in you have a chance to use those. Mm -hmm. And if you have B events, you can even check an option that will add openers before those B events, What? which is so cool. <laughs> Kaboom. Yeah, yeah. It's so awesome. So then like, uh, for, cause you know, a C event, you probably don't need openers, right? But a B event, and a C event would be like- uh, C event's just the workout. I don't care. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? But then a B event, it is nice to be able to, because for example, what if it's on the same course as your A race? It's just a different race. You really want to try to replicate things and kind of prep for that <laughs> instead of just go into it differently. So it's cool. Okay, so the last thing uh, that's super cool is, oh, I forgot it. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll remember it. There's okay. so many cool things. I know. <laughs> can I, can I throw in a congratulations really quick? Do it. Okay. So this oh, is, for... I never, I've remembered it. Oh, please go. Okay. <laughs> so there's a new type of race, um, for oh, stage yeah. races mm -hmm. or triathlon. So before with triathlon, you put swim, bike, run as like three different races. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you have those on there, you're going to have to change it to this to do plan builder to work right. But it's a triathlon. So they're all together. And that makes our system know that this is like one a race, but mm -hmm. also for stage races, I put in Cape Epic and you can put in eight days and they're all synced together as yep. a stage race. And then that makes our system know that that's what's coming up. It's really, really yeah. cool. When you choose your goal event too, we have a whole bunch of options. So for all your races, you can choose gravel, Fondo, cross, all yeah. that sort of stuff, road mm -hmm. race. I've already had a few questions from people that are doing like really long, big, like races. They're like, which one do I pick if I don't see it in here? And in almost every case, if it's like, um, like for example, somebody uh, was talking to somebody uh, just last night about a long endurance race where it's like all day. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but long mountain bike race, but it's not like over traditional mountain bike terrain. It's more gravelly terrain. Yeah. In that case, pick the gravel, uh, scenario. If you have any questions on that sort of stuff, just jump into that forum. And there are already people saying like, if I'm doing this event, how should I classify it? Yeah. And people can go there. And we, we might, my brain, um, I'm. I'm uh, brainstorming live, so <laughs> this, none of this stuff is going to be for sure. Yeah. But I think there might be an opportunity for us to put in some extra types of events that then go to something else. So, sure. like uh, I saw some to someone's like, I'm going to you, you're going to bike across Wisconsin or sure. something, mm -hmm. like or do the, the Seattle to Portland or what's the right? Yeah, that would something like that. We mm -hmm. would uh, most likely check with Chad, but recommend like the the grand Fondo century kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it just helps to have that option because it makes you feel more confident for um, sure that yeah. could reduce probably questions for people. But yeah, in general, if you're going to do one of those long ones, go towards the grand Fondo century gravel. They're all kind of the same energy systems that you're using lots yeah. of aerobic and lots of sweet spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause that tends to be the events that kind of, uh, that I've seen people bringing up cause the rest of them are mostly covered in terms of the shorter races. Yeah. So, 
Awesome. It's very exciting. Oh, and uh, so we are currently building this on the desktop app. And then, uh, as some of you have known, we are rebuilding our uh, mobile app so that we can build things faster and just modernize it just like we did the desktop app. Mm -hmm. So that will come after that. That's mm -hmm. Pete's job. Yes, it sure is. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah so w once it comes out on the desktop, I'm not sure exactly the date, but I know it's pretty far along. Um, and then, yeah, mobile and tablet too. Because right now you access it at trainerroad.com. So when you yep, log on the, in, it's only on the do. website at the moment and it's only early access. So you have to go to that forum post and enable it. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. Plan builder on the forum. Yep. Yep. Cool. Oh, I got it all out. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Really exciting stuff. Uh, I, hopefully you people are going on to train road and checking it out right now. Going what do you to mean forum. you people? <laughs> <laughs> all the folks listening to this. Okay, I, know, just... I know. I know. I got, I got the meme there. Um, so a, a quick congratulations to Justin Brayton. He's podcast listener and professional supercross racers. That's the guys that do motocross inside stadiums. Really intense. Yeah, uh, that's super hard. Really hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so cyclist and podcast <laughs> listener and train road user, Justin Brayton. He just won his fourth consecutive Australian Supercross Championship, which is pretty dang cool. That's really tough to do. Australians are really fast, and there's a ton of Americans that go down for that. And uh, yeah, and he's set up to be like, uh, to have a really good year this year. So congratulations. We always like to give shout outs to folks when we hear about their accolades, that sort of thing. Some job postings, Nate? Yes. Uh, we have four different jobs available. Product marketing manager. We're still collecting resumes for that. Mm -hmm. uh, React and React Native Engineers. That might be up forever. I, I don't know be. because with growth rate and stuff, like we Just can't hire fast enough. Continue to grow. <laughs> um, C sharp engineer working on data backend stuff, and then customer support team. Uh, this is local only, but if you want to join the customer support team, you're local. You can apply for that. Be great. Uh, we also need to get some learnings because you raced your bike this past weekend. I did on Sweet Spot Base. How could you do that? <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> it's it's impossible. <laughs> How can I race while I'm doing base? But you, you did race. Especially with a cyclocross race. I know, right? Because There's... you think it's super high intensity and it doesn't drive well. Because you've been doing just a ton of Sweet Spot work, right? Sweet Spot Base High Volume 1. Which I am, a ton. I, am, <laughs> I have three workouts left and then I'm on recovery week. Ooh, mm -hmm. nice. Good job. And, yeah. It's starting to get hard because I'm tired. So it was a cyclocross race yep. and it was snowy and it was cold. Yeah. It was like 24 or something when it started. Well, that's yeah. 24 Fahrenheit. So that's like probably like what? Negative four Celsius. Four to six yeah. somewhere around there. No maybe. negative. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Negative four. And it negative snowed six. the previous, uh, two yeah. days. Yeah. 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 So it was, uh, that, that sort of cross race. Uh, yep. what did you learn from that? Uh, can we start out, I guess on kit? Like what did you wear? Yep. So, uh, Thermal suit. Thermal suits are awesome if you have to ride in the cold. Like, like a thermal skin suit? Yep. Uh, and it goes all the way to my arms, so you don't need arm warmers. There was... Nice. We used to sell these. Sorry, we don't need more. But Jackroom <laughs> makes a good one, so mm -hmm. you can always buy a Jackroom one like that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I love it in cold weather. I wore like a Rafa base layer thing below it. Those mm -hmm. look like fishnet things. Um, I feel like they help me more in the... I always wear them when it's cold. I never wear them when it's hot. I know you're supposed to wear them when it's hot, but yeah. when it's cold, I feel like it adds an extra layer of insulation. And you can't wear wool because um, it'll get super itchy. Yep. So yeah, yeah, that's mm. a bummer. Um, and then just, oh, so, and then I wore wool socks. <laughs> For some reason, uh, merino wool socks are fine, but on my neck, it itches a bunch. Really? Uh, yeah. Huh. I wore a cliff bar buff. Oh, nice. Uh, like a neck buff thing. Yeah. And then uh, a little... Uh, uh, one of those headbands for your ears. Yeah. Those are so good. Uh, cold ears. Cold ears are the worst. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so painful. There's a lot of companies that make them though. There's like little headbands and I feel like you can leave them in your bike bag. Mm -hmm. Yep. Two, 365 days a year. Um, <laughs> take them out. Then I work Rafa like, um, 
I have two types of Rafa gloves. I have their winter gloves, which is hard to race in, but for like when you're warming up, yeah. I put them on. They're like, they're kind of like big ski gloves. Mm -hmm. And then um, below that, I had Rafa like windproof gloves. Yeah. And my fingers got a little cold while I was racing. I probably could have put a like a, um, a soft cotton glove below that to warm up. Yeah. But mm -hmm. that was fine. It's, you lose dexterity then yeah. too. So you're kind of walking a line, right? And it was fine. It wasn't so cold that I, that's exactly what it is. So when it's cold like that, if you have too much glove, you lose dexterity. Yeah. You don't have enough gloves, you lose dexterity. Yeah. So there's like a certain layer, like people will say, oh, you could have done, you know, or like hot hands or something, but then the yeah. feel is different, especially with cross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's tough. A cross race is usually short enough too, that like, uh, you kind of err on the side of a little less, Yeah, you know, in terms of warmth, usually because it's short oh, and yeah. super high intensity and you yep. need the dexterity you know? right yeah exactly because you're getting off and mm -hmm. you have to do rapid mm -hmm. shifts you know in, in different spots and i had leg warmers too bike. and yeah. it wasn't so muddy that it was gonna like weigh down leg warmers if it was so if it was super muddy you'd probably want to do like embro cream or just mm -hmm. leave it off because else you're just gonna get caked and cold mm -hmm. um but it was not like that so i made a big mistake i thought uh <laughs> the course was gonna be because it had snowed and and the weather, I was looking at like my backyard. I was thinking that it was going to be sloppy, mm -hmm. um, but it was not sloppy at all. So I had 32 inch mud tires uh, that I then took to ride on snow and ice. And it was like, it's almost like really hard packed with like a little layer of stuff that can stick to you on top or what it, was the dirt like? Uh, so it was either covered in snow and there's parts of the course that never got worn through okay. or it was like hero dirt. Okay. Yeah. And, or ice yeah okay. like concrete right uh slippery no. concrete yeah like like you know when you walk out to your car and then you just suddenly land on the ground that yeah. sort of stuff that, that <laughs> yeah exactly yikes um yeah so i think uh correct me if i'm wrong jonathan but i should have been much wider that's why they have fat bikes right yeah like, yeah i should have been going with our what riddlers probably yeah that we have riddler 45s that are really nice and then a 37 as well so a 37 in the back and 45 and that would have fit on my s-works crux yeah mm -hmm. um and those have a really nice shoulder so like i find that when conditions are unpredictable like traction's unpredictable it's really nice to have a tire that has a good lock-in on the side knobs you know like it's fine if it's not quite as predictable everywhere else but when you lean over and it really matters on unpredictable terrain you want it to grab you're like set yes right. you lock like in lock into that turn yep and that's what those riddlers have because they have the really small almost like texture on the top it's hard to call them knobs on the top but then the side knobs are gigantic and they really kind of bite in doesn't make for the fastest rolling because those knobs are always hitting yeah but at the same time when you're leaned over on sketchy terrain it's really nice the wind had just giant tires <laughs> really yeah. yeah um but i think looking up i've never a canadian day could tell me how <laughs> yeah. to do this but um on ice you want more contact patch yeah. not just like teeny contact patch yeah um i crashed twice into two races uh one just fell over other one was dramatic over the bars oh. into the bushes uh, <laughs> bike flying up and over you yeah the bike was on top of me yeah. um, <laughs> oh man yeah my dropper post broke so i had to switch things out i was going to do cameras but uh I was going to try the new heroes. Oh yeah. Cause they might see. work pretty well. They might. I've used it. I've used it on short track. It works well. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it would have been awesome. There would have yeah. been a picture of like upside down me <laughs> in my face. Sky, Nate, sky, Nate, sky, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first race four five, I won that one. That was awesome. That was nice. kind of the nice first job. time that Way to go. two, I was, I could like look back and like pace myself Sweet. based on other people. The second one, um, I did not win the three, four. Uh, I ended up third out of three. But there's hey. multiple groups running at the same time. And yeah, yeah. based on previous people, this is so you don't always have to win to win. Sure. Based on people that I've raced before in the 45 plus, 
I actually stayed with the winners for like a lap, which before would never ever happen because yeah. my skills are better. The problem was, huh. I the the mud. I don't even call it mud. It's like thick sandy yeah, kind of clay. It like clumps yeah. onto stuff. Yeah, yeah. I could not clip in after a few runups um, where mm-hmm. they could, and I had to like. I started banging my foot on the pedal. I think I've seen like Vanderpool do this. Yeah. Um, and I had uh, SPDs. Yeah. I yeah. It, that that hurt me a ton in that second race. Uh, this is why a lot and I of lost time. I, I sorry, I disconnected, mm-hmm. and then it was really hard to get back. I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's all mental, but this is why you see yeah. a lot of cyclocross racers using egg beaters from yeah. Crank Brothers. Um, I personally don't like the way egg beaters feel like they kind of give you like an imprecise feel like you're standing on top of like a ballpoint pen. They kind of like a lot of like rolling around on that. And then they also just don't give you like a, a clear indication of when you're in and out. It's kind of just like, you're kind of pushing against something and then suddenly you're out. So I don't mm-hmm. like that, but they're really good at mud shedding. And even if you have mud packed in, it's pretty easy to clip into them just because they have everything wide open. Yeah. It's like those two bars just force the mud out of the way and lock in. Yeah. Well, the second place guy, the reason why he got second place is he had egg beaters and he couldn't clip in. That's where the winning move happened. Mm. There we go. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's even on some days it's. Yeah, Nothing. exactly. Like, cause I, I kind of said that I must admit, I said that in anticipation of people in the live stream right now going, Nate, you should have egg beaters. Cause that's like, oh, a, I know. A, that's, I thank you for saying that's that. like, <laughs> they have their day in the sun, so to speak, whenever, you know what I mean? They're in like, the now we can say it. Um, and, and they're, they're good, but it doesn't mean that they're going to fix every problem. The, so on this course, an advantage and the winner did have an advantage on this is that on a steep section, you could ride it if you had kind of wider tires because mm-hmm. it was really loose, but my little 32 is just like whoop, slipped right away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, so uh, and that's where I couldn't clip in afterwards and he was riding every time. So he didn't run into this problem because mm-hmm. we're right. riding. Yeah. Yeah. Easy for them. Right. Um, last part is I did upgrade to cat three. I didn't mm-hmm. realize I had enough points before to upgrade. Yeah. Um, but also I didn't realize this, if you're a cat two on the road, like I am, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're talking about that. That's kind of like, that's bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, that's for the podcast. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you can do a, let's like a transfer or something. So if you're cat yeah. two, you can be a cat three in, uh, cyclocross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which also we should cover what else you can do too. Yeah. You know what? I'm thinking now that maybe that's only cyclocross. So I don't know if I should say that. I don't know if I'm right. Okay. But sounds good. But basically and mountain bike, you can choose whatever you want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, who's it literally it says anyway. it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah. I looked up in the rules and yeah. in mountain biking, I could, if you're cat as, two, you can ride whatever you want. If you're, if you're cat, cat nothing, two on the road. You can ride like whatever you want on. I think you bikes. can just self-select a mountain bike. <laughs> we can check if that's it. Crazy. But I was reading the rules and mountain biking. I think you just say you want to do one, you can race one. Yeah, mm. you said you should consider changing that. That would be nice because even like at the national championships level, like this year for example, we had people that were there where I was like, wow, like there's a huge disparity between the field that we had, like big disparity. Mm. I think it's fun to have the points and upgrade. It gives you something, yeah. right? Like you something mm-hmm. to work toward. Yeah, exactly. And and also, USAC, you're gonna have what like. Uh, how many kids are in Nika? Like tens of thousands yeah, at this tens point. Of thousands. It, you're going to have all those kids like running through like a whole upgrade system and everything else. Might want to think about to the framework that you have. Yeah, 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 exactly. So don't forget mountain biking. There's something <laughs> to it. Cool. Well, congratulations, Nate, on, on, on winning a cross race. I think that the, all the work that you've done on bike handling this summer, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. it was. Has, yeah. has really helped. And you're also a lot, you're really fit too. You're really strong. Thank you, Jonathan. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I didn't have the dropper post. And if I would have had that, my, it'd be a lot better because cornering when you're so high up is tough. And if you just get down a little bit, it's yeah. amazing. Can I anticipate something in the comments again, really quick? 
people saying that a drop proposed isn't needed for cyclocross. It's not needed. I, it's not needed. I won. But you know what? But you know <laughs> it what? It helps. It helps. And especially, and not, not everything is created equal. Like a person that's really short. Um, might not need the dropper. Might post. not need the dropper post. Yes. Average height, they don't need it nearly as much as somebody like you because your wheelbase is what it is, and it's not that much different proportionally to what I'm riding, right? But your height is hugely different. Like your center of gravity is really mm -hmm. high, and where your hands so are it helps if you look, a lot. If you look where my saddle is compared to where my handlebars <laughs> yeah. are, yes. and then other people, they're like even. Yeah, I can't drop that far. I can yeah, ride like, with Nate in a pack and I don't have to worry about clipping bars. I just go underneath his bars with my bars. Like it's like, it's crazy. So yeah. Yeah. It's so even like mountain biking, it does not require. Exactly. It, it just helps. helps. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And we actually have a video on how we rigged up dropper posts with mechanical drivetrains with one by drivetrains mm -hmm. so that you have on the left side, you have your shift paddle lever and you basically just, and, and producer Tucker, I'm sure we'll put this into the forum. You can just search um, on this one for episode 235 and you'll be able to find it. But we made it so that when you press that lever in, it engages your dropper post. Then you don't have to like rig up anything that's, you know, not meant to be there or anything else. So that's a good way to do it. Let's get into Peter's question. Not yours. Uh, not actually, a different Pete. Peter. Yep. Different guy says, <laughs> Hey guys, amazing podcast. I've only been cycling for about four years and started trainer road a year or so ago. The trainer road podcasts have assisted me in many ways on and off the bike. My issue is I am struggling to keep up with my weekly group ride, which comprises 25 K warm up, relatively easy spin. Then two minutes, two minutes rest. This seems like really organized for most group rides. Yeah. I think of like our group ride and if we had any sort of structure like this, it would not be respected. <laughs> like, yeah. Rules don't matter. Yeah. Two minutes rest guys. Like, yeah, it would not happen. That's when everyone would attack. Uh, he says, then it's a smash fast all out as fast as you can go. And you just return on the 25 K's that you went out on. He says it's slightly undulating, but mostly flat. It averages about 45 kilometers per hour on the return with an initial burst hovering around 50 kilometers an hour. So that's a quick, that's a quick that's spirited group ride, as they say, mm -hmm. right? The bunch size averages about 30 riders and several toward, and he says with several toward the front pulling turns, the middle of the group, just keeping up and just riding. And he says, but I'm usually the last rider just trying to hold on for as long as I can. I'm concerned. I'm concerned that if I start further up in the group example, like the middle, I'll drop off because others, uh, I'll, I'll cause others to drop off. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. And, and that wouldn't be fair to them. And he mentions the fact that average TSS for him for this ride is about a hundred. So it's, it's basically all, an out. all out effort yeah. right, for him. Um, so he says, I'm 55 years old. Admittedly, most of the group is at least five to 10 years younger, but there are a couple of blokes my age holding all on all the way. Whereas I'm nearly always dropped often within the first five K uh, as mentions that his FTP is about 200, 260 via the ramp test weight of 80 kilograms and height of 176 centimeters. Um, and he says he typically does the aforementioned ride plus at least one high intensity workout. Uh, and he, uh, he says a mix of sweet spot and some recent VO2 max work, plus some slow and recovery rides and some longer rides. So he basically does a bit of everything right when he fills in uh, his week and um, still gets into quite a lot. Um, so, all right. And he also says that he, he eats well and goes to the gym. So all that information He says he doesn't race and doesn't compete. Hence his only goal for this point is just to get better for this group ride. Any tips to help me hang on for longer would be much appreciated, including best ways to structure my training program. So, uh, 
stepping back and looking at this one just as the group ride in itself, um, or actually stepping outside of that even, this is a good example of the fact that you don't have to have a race to train for something. If you just have a recurring group ride and it's just fun to go through, and even with Plan Builder, you can you can say, I don't have an event, and it will basically say, like, well, what type of cycling do you want to work on? Mm -hmm. And then you can just, you know, say, I want to work on this, and it will lay out plans for you. So yep. it's, it's kind of an easy thing to do there, uh, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, you don't have to be a racer to have events. Um, in fact, it would be kind of fun to be, like, you know, the group ride hero, so to speak. Yeah. Kind of a fun thing. There's to do. a lot of people. <clears throat> totally. More like that. Totally. Even local. Yes. Yeah. It's all they do. It's, it's like, that's their a rate or that's the race every week. Is it's, the group mm -hmm. ride. it's fun because you can count on having that race every week. Unlike, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind <laughs> of cool. The other races that yeah. aren't here anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of a fun thing to do. Uh, so group rides, like it always starts out hard like that. And it puts, if you're not only there's two sides of it, if you're not fit, or if you're not riding as efficiently as you should be, it will put you on the back foot, right? Like that's like normal. I mean, all of our group rides kind of mm -hmm. start out like that. So I guess what advice would you give him? We'll get into the training aspect a little bit later, but what advice would you give him in terms of what he should do in the group ride to hang in a little longer? Pete? Yeah, I think, um, man, the back is such a hard place to be, right? Like if you want to make the race or ride as hard as you can possibly make it, hang out in the back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. So I think with him, uh, I, I've... It's nice that he feels bad for everybody else he's riding with. Sure. Um, but he the, shouldn't. He shouldn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, the people who he's worried about dropping will just go around him. Happens to everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I bet he can hang. If he started in the front row and never took a pole and just filtered through the back, I bet he would last twice as long, you know, maybe mm -hmm. even the whole thing. Uh, it's just he has to find himself not in the back. Pete, why is the back hard? You, uh, you end up taking all the accelerations from every every time the front goes faster, the back does twice as much or three times as much. Every time there's a turn, you end up braking more and reaccelerating more. Uh, it's just, it's so much harder, right? And oh, yeah. you can't, uh, tailgunning is a little bit different, but you you have to respond to what everybody else is doing rather than kind of making some moves on your own. What about side climbing? Side climbing is a great plan. But can you do that from the rear? You can't. You just <laughs> drop yourself. <laughs> so That's what is dropped? What is, yeah. What is sack climbing, Pete? So sack climbing is when you start at the front of a pack and over the course of the hill, you drop through the whole field. Um, mm -hmm. If it's the 30 guys, like that's probably you get to ride a 30 second hill five seconds slower than everybody else. Which is a big difference. For me, that's like a hundred watts different. Yeah. You know, and yeah. doing that for five seconds is is so much better. Um, and if you're in the back, I get dropped if I sack climb. In our um, video, how to what to do when you bridge to a breakaway, mm -hmm. the very first scene of that is an example of sag climbing. And this is like a short <laughs> climb. Everyone's gunning it. Yes. And people are going from the back to the front, yeah. which is um, like a very bad time to move up. Yeah. I feel <laughs> it's like the hardest time to move yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's crazy. And the other, the the yo yo part, what happens is if there is every gap that happens, every mistake someone happens that opens a wheel, those compound yes. over the whole part. So at the end, the gap is like really big. Yes. The, at, the, at the beginning, maybe it's like half a wheel. It could be like three riders. Yeah. And then everyone sprints to accelerate. So it can be very hard. Yeah. Oh, it's so painful. And one last thing is the front of the pack is pretty consistent speed wise, mm -hmm. right? But the back of the pack will fluctuate. Like I'm sure he goes 60K an hour to catch back into the back of the pack all the time. Yeah. And that's so hard. Right. So if the, you. 
Go ahead. No, if you if you just push yourself into the back third, right, just off the back, and then you're missing a third of the people who are probably making the bad riding mistakes anyways. Mm -hmm. So just kind of remove them out of the things that you have to accommodate. That's what I was going to say is there is a spot in the back where like the acceleration or the, the gaps happen, but then you don't fill them. Other people fill them for you. Yes. And you actually just like, you float back and then you're at the, the very end. And it's then when magical. it slows down, you, <laughs> this is like tailgating. Then you float back up mm -hmm. yeah. and then, uh, and then it happens again and you float back. So you're not the one like really responding to it. But when you're the very last person, you can't yeah. float back. No. Exactly. Yeah. And you're kind of like sag climbing the acceleration. If you <laughs> the watch reverse, reverse sag. Climbing. Yeah, exactly. If you watch a lot of our race analysis footage, like recently we put out a video that was all about, uh, a stage race that we did, mm -hmm. you'll see Pete actually doing the sag climbing really well in the road race that we did, yeah. uh, which was stage two <laughs> well of that enough. Omnium. Yeah, well <laughs> enough. Um, but you'll see, you, you, you employ that constantly. Like you yeah. find that sweet spot within the group or you can let yourself have some some elasticity for, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term to be able to move fore and aft in that, in that pack. Yeah. It's like getting to choose your own washing machine, right? If mm -hmm. you move forward when it's easy and move back when it's hard, your whole race is easier. And yeah. The pack accommodates always. And Pete's a high FTP, big rider guy, but this is for any, anytime you're riding with riders that have a higher watt per kg on a climb, yes. like you could be 130 pounds and you could still need to do this tactic. You don't oh, have yeah. to be a big guy. Absolutely. John, then where can we see these videos? You can see them at youtube.com slash trainer road. Huh. Uh, there's a whole playlist that we actually have and you can subscribe and then you can check out that playlist and even favorite that playlist. So then once we post race analysis videos, you can get uh, notified of it mm -hmm. and the whole playlist on race analysis stuff. And you'll get to see a ton of races where Nate like has gone from basically cat five to cat two. Um, almost geez, like the majority of the races, you'll get to see him on there, which is pretty cool. Every race. So yeah, yeah. there's only, there's two more and we're going to record them tomorrow. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Yeah, every race where I got points in the web video. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, so, it's really cool. So basically, in if you one year to, too. Yeah, <laughs> flex. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, it's trainer road <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. You you trained well, and then on top of that too, you had like every week you were doing like a retrospective, basically like looking at what you did and oh, how yeah. you could have done mm -hmm. it better. Totally, that's a big thing. It's Pete. And and tying this, <laughs> yeah, exactly tying this back into the question that we have from Peter here. That's a good thing to do. Like, uh, when you do these group rides, since this is like a recurring thing and this is your only goal after the group ride, try to be analytical about when you dropped off and what happened. And also when you're in the group, look at what's going on. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time it's really, especially when the five or the first bit starts out so hard, it's easy just to stare at your stem and then suddenly you're off the back mm -hmm. and you don't know what happened. And you just say, I'm just not fit enough, but I know so many, I've done this so many times myself when I kind of like cheat my fitness where I don't have enough fitness to really be where I'm at in a group, but it's because I'm riding more efficiently. I actually end up hanging in there. Yeah. So it, you can do it. You know, I remember with our drop ride, the first time I like hung in for a lap, I was like, Oh, I'm going to attack. And then boop, right off the back. After yeah, that, right? yeah. 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 <laughs> so exactly. Try to like last the whole time before you do uh, stupid things. And we're going to talk about this more. The other race videos besides ours that are really good are Jeff Linder, uh, NorCal cycling. Fantastic videos. Yep. Watch those from Jeff Linder. I would say watch all of, if you're any type of cyclist, mm -hmm. watch all of his and all of ours. Yep. Um, and you can do them while you're riding. Yeah. And then I also, this is pretty cool. We, uh, we put the, our full races too mm -hmm. on, um, on YouTube. And, and there's a different playlist for that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you're working out, I do this a lot when anything that's intensity, I have music going and then I watch the video and without yeah. any sound and I just look at the racing. And it's, the beginning of the races, I'm like, from the early of the year, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm going to get better. But if you watch Jeff's, he's always smart. So 
One yeah. of the rules of thumb that I have when I'm worried about a group ride being too hard for me is I just think like efficiency, 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 focus on that until I start to see riders getting dropped. Mm -hmm. And then that's the point where I'm like, okay, now I can think about actually showing cards or trying to do something. Mm -hmm. But before then I don't try to do it. Even if those riders, let's just say those riders are, were probably going to get dropped anyway, something like that. It still doesn't matter if you go too early even if everybody else is not as fit as you, you can still <laughs> hurt yourself. It's true. He says this, but in our drop rides, he just attacks a oh, thousand yeah, times, time. just over and over <laughs> from the get go. He's, he's not showing his cards then yet. I will say if, if the efficiency thing sounds strange to you, you're like, what do you mean efficient? I'm pedaling my bicycle. Mm. Um, watch the videos exactly like Nate said. Um, I watch a lot of our footage that we record the full race because it's like looking at a problem and then deciding, would you go left, right, straight? And then you see what the person did. And it's, it's just reinforcing all these decisions that you make on a bike all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it, that what Nate does is super valuable. It just gets what that decision making should look like in your head. And mm -hmm. you need to look at the power too, because <clears throat> you're yep. like, oh, wow, I put out way too much power. Uh, like closing gaps where you go 600 Watts and then you coast for zero right afterwards. You're like, I didn't need to do that amount yeah. and everyone else like, um, swarms you yes. You're like, why was I the one shutting this down? Yeah. That's an extra surge that I could be using in the last lap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Whenever that happens, you should like, think about it critically and be like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. When you close down a gap, then everybody just goes around you looking fresh. That's the worst. It's the yeah. worst. You know that you were just a pawn for the whole field. <laughs> I know. You know? Or when you, when you try to bridge, but you actually just pull up the field. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, if ah. you had waited for one more second, I bet seven other people would have ran out of patience mm -hmm. yep. and done it themselves, mm -hmm. you know, because they were so ready to do it. So, and the last thing that I just want to hit home on Peter is do not feel bad about going even to the front. Yeah. The only thing that, that is bad about being at the front is if you're riding dangerously, it's not, if you're not fit, if you're not fit, but you're at the front and you're riding safely and responsibly, it's totally fine. Everyone's happy. Everyone's yeah. happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And everyone will find their way around and, and it'll work through. It's just when, when riders are dangerous, it doesn't matter how fit they are. If they're dangerous at the front, that's yeah. when things get uh, scary and that's when a group will get irritated and, and everything and else. that's that's where you learn things too totally. right like you don't learn things tailing off the back you learn how to you learn yeah. how to get stuck at the back of the pack when you're yeah. out of the back of the pack Can we talk about a couple things what would be dangerous riding at the front sure yeah yeah, yeah. so one would be hitting your brakes especially for no reason <laughs> yep mm -hmm. like unless there's a turn coming up mm -hmm. would do that um not calling out things on the road mm -hmm. yeah um taking your hands off the handlebar for no reason. Like one hand, you're, you're pouring at things, you get a drink, mm -hmm. that's fine. But sometimes people just like, like I'm gonna take my hands off and like literally pull out my phone, take a group picture. Yeah. It's not the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Especially yeah. when people and are gonna be searching. it's a hard group ride, not the time. Yeah, just yeah. go off by your, if you wanna do it, go to the side, right? Yeah. Uh, Sudden changes in line. That's yep. a really bad one. Mm -hmm. Like, so let's just say you're in the front of a, you're in a group ride and there's a pothole, but nobody's pointed it out, but you're in a, in a tight group. Honestly, it's better to hit that pothole mm -hmm. unless it's like something that's really going to like, you know, make you go over the bars or something, mm -hmm. but it's better to hit that pothole than to swerve over and take a rider out. Yeah. That's a big thing that I see. Oh. And it's easy to forget because you're just riding and suddenly you see potholes. So you think I need to swerve mm -hmm. around it. But if you're in a group, you just, you hold your line and unfortunately the person in front of you didn't point it out and it is what it is, mm -hmm. but don't swerve. I had that same thing actually at cliff camp this year and it gave me a huge pinch flat, um, with the yeah. tubeless tire, but I wasn't going to swerve because <clears> I didn't want to take somebody out. Cause that would have been way worse than just getting a flat tire. Exactly. And you can practice unweighting your bike. Like you don't have to bunny hop, but hitting things with 
75% of your weight on your bike is way better. And yep. you're not likely to crash doing that. Where if you swerve, man, I've all the terrible crashes you ever see are from someone swerving into someone else into a pack. And then yes. just 10 people go down. Yeah. Sudden changes in line. Also, if you're in and out of the saddle, for example, mm -hmm. uh, Chad's workout text, whenever you're doing train and road workouts, they hit home on this all the time be smooth in and out of the saddle. There are plenty of riders that once they mm -hmm. go out of the saddle, they really like, and they're going to attack something like that. They like really like their momentum stops and they kind of throw their bike back almost yeah. when they get in and out of the it saddle. Hits a, hits a tire. It hits a tire. That's mm -hmm. dangerous. That's another thing is if you're, if you're in these, like you're not winning something, um, you can give yourself a little bit of breathing room. You can. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to be millimeters away from the tire mm -hmm. i know when you're like when it's really fast you might fall off on a different but when you're just going slower like the group's riding out mm -hmm. give a couple feet and don't be the guy saying oh you're you're leaving a little gap or, yeah, or, or, you're behind yeah. you're behind me like you're drafting me don't worry about it buddy <laughs> yeah. um but what that does is if there is a pothole mm -hmm. yeah. you have a little more time to respond to it and Absolutely. sometimes you can move an inch and not hit it it's mm -hmm. not a swerve uh, and then you can get a little bit of escape. And if everyone kind of does that when you're going 20, yes. it's a much safer group ride. When you're pegging Completely. 30 and it's in a race, it's different. I, I've, I've hit the biggest potholes when it's in a race, yep. you're going fast and you can't go anywhere. And it's like, yeah, oh my God, what's it. going on here? <laughs> yep, you just hit them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 that's that's a, that's a a that's a good point. So Peter, hopefully that helps him out. Do you have anything else to yeah, add? Yeah, the only one, the one last thing is smooth pedaling, right? There's, you'll, you'll remember the people who pedal hard and then coast and pedal hard and coast and pedal Ooh, hard and coast. Yeah. And that just, it shuffles back through the group and it's awful. So I usually go around those people. Yeah. If you're near the front, if you're in the front quarter of the pack, stay consistently pedaling. And sometimes you're only doing 50 watts and sometimes you're doing 500 watts. That's okay. But stay pressure on the pedals. Yep. It keeps everybody happy. Yep. I find the pressure on the pedals is always best. <laughs> more more is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually what I usually tell myself. Just remember to put pressure on the pedals before the race and uh, things will work out. So must be nice to be John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Alan says, uh, he says, Hey guys, thanks. Uh, thanks for a great podcast and for taking my question. My question is about integrating outside enduro type rides into basin build training plans. So we should clarify, this is also just mountain bike rides <clears throat> Generally and speaking, it's also yeah. <laughs> just road group rides when they aren't serious. Like this is how people casually ride bikes usually. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is that you climb at whatever pace you want to climb at, and then you take some breaks and you may catch up with your friends and like, Hey, we'll catch up at the top of the climb or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you have fun down like a descent or something else and you just carry on. But it's like, it's not, there's no structure to the ride necessarily in terms of driven toward making you faster. It's only structure toward pleasure or something else. Right. So mm -hmm. that's how that works. So this is how it relates to everybody listening to this. So not just enduro riders and mountain bikers for background. My race goals are cross country marathon. And I also like to race my local short track XC series. I have a decent endurance background and snuck in just under nine hours at Leadville last year. Nice work. That's, that's yeah. impressive. Alan, way to go. Um, I'd love to do Le Leadville again and also have visions of stage racing in the future. However, I love riding laps on the local trails on my enduro bike. I can easily rack up 1500 to 3000 feet of climbing in a session. And the climbs are at least sweet spot or threshold efforts just based on the pitch and terrain. That's a super important thing to note. Most mountain bike climbs, you cannot ride them easy. They're just mm -hmm. always hard because they're steep, right? 
the runs are about one and a half to three minutes long. He's talking about the descent part, right? So pretty short descents. So that means they're short and steep, most likely. And he says, there's no recovery unless I just stop and catch my breath. It's basically sweet spot or threshold interval intervals with anaerobic efforts in between on the runs. My question is this, how do I classify these workouts and factor them into my training week? And how does one balance one's cross country nerd race goals with his wannabe enduro bro desires? This is, this is you two guys. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because you want to be great at both. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, one's really fun. <laughs> exactly. And, and the other is mountain biking. The, <laughs> the other makes your eyes bleed. Yeah. Yeah. So, Pete, um, you and I both uh, did EWS North Star this year. Mm-hmm. So we can also certify enduro the fact. Bro. Yeah. So we, we are enduro yeah. bros. We did you get a tattoo or a stamp? Actually, yeah. We got tattoos. Yeah. Both I of got us. a yeah, brand. Got, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> the only brand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we both uh, can... I guess vouch for the fact that enduro racing is so far from easy. It's super, very, it, very, very hard. It is extremely hard physically. And mm-hmm. you can go on to once again, our race analysis series. And we have a whole thing where you can see with Richie rude, he actually critiqued my race runs and you can hear me breathing and <laughs> It's going downhill. And going downhill, and I sound like a, a Saint Bernard or something like that just fetched a frisbee. It's bad. So it's extremely hard, um, fitness-wise, in terms of turning pedals, and then fitness-wise, in terms of managing the violence. It's riding a bull for the whole entire ride down. It's just, mm-hmm. it's extremely hard. Um, but and so there's a difference between just going out and riding enduro and racing enduro. Just like there's a difference between going out and riding your road bike and racing a road bike. But I find the difference is once again, with mountain biking, there's no such thing to me as like a recovery mountain bike rider. There is, but it's really hard to do. And it's probably not on the terrain you want to ride on. Yeah. It's, it's not a ride you wanted. Any ride you (laughs) want to do is not a recovery mountain bike ride. Because yeah, because you want to go up to then go down something really fun. That's Mm -hmm. what you want to do. But the ups are always hard. Like you just, I mean, Nate, you'd kind of tackled this problem by going to a resort, right? Because then you can ride the lifts up. But it's still very, down. very tiring. But it's, uh, so on, I would do that and go down. It yeah. kind of muscular tiring, yeah. but I could still pedal the next day because mm-hmm. I was doing basically no pedaling mm-hmm. uh, during it. And yeah. I could I could handle that on my easier Friday day last yeah. year. I find that if I go out and if i not at a resort and if I could just go out and have fun on the mountain bike, I feel it the next day, just like I did a workout, uh, mm-hmm. just like anything else. Well, like if you did a weight training workout, yeah, mm-hmm. then uh-huh. a two hour sweet spot workout. Yeah. Sure. And, and general fatigue too. Right? Yeah. It's high. Mm-hmm. And then the hard part is we think, well, that wasn't a workout. So we kind of preclude it or like exclude it from everything that we mm-hmm. have. And then we wonder why our training is getting so yeah. hard. <laughs> My TSS said zero. Yeah. Exactly. Therefore I don't need to treat it like a mm-hmm. workout. Yep. So, and, and when you do a trainer road workout, uh, an outside ride, that's not structured or anything. Uh, and it, it basically, if you have a power meter, obviously trainer road will calculate the TSS for that. Right. Um, it, but if you don't have a power meter, which is common for a lot of people on like their enduro bikes, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. it leaves it up to you to estimate it. And you really have to go off the feel, but I wouldn't really go off the feel of during the activity as much as compare that feel or the feel that you have the next day. Uh, compared to the workouts that you do the next day. And that's how you kind of try to assimilate the TSS. So that's how you could kind of factor it in to what you're doing um, and kind of keep, keep a lid on the training to make sure you're not doing too much of that stuff. You know? Yeah. It's, I, I would say I was very tired from the EWS training and I got slower. 
Yeah. Right. Like that in the four weeks that I put a lot of effort into getting ready for the EWS, I got less fit. Yeah. And I was tired all the time. Less fit for road riding, crit racing. Yeah. Less fit. I mean, less pedaling fit, less yeah, physically less fit. Faster downhill fit. But though. faster downhill fit. But that was like technique and more like grip strength, you know, R- little removing stuff. Fear. Yeah, removing fear. But as, as far as actually pedaling, man, I definitely got slower. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of have to balance it because there's like one side where it's kind of like if you're descending is holding you back, then this is absolutely worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But if it's, and, and it'll make you faster, right? Like, like Nate, we were talking about Leadville, even though Leadville is not uh, considered a technical race, if you had better uh, bike skill at Leadville, you feel like you would have gone faster, like right? Like 20 minutes faster. <laughs> right. It's amazing how many people pass me on downhills. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, so if you're looking at improving your overall speed or result on something, this could absolutely be something you want to do. Yeah. Take a, take a real look and assess what you're good at and what you need some work on. Yep. And then you'll be able to decide what training is. Yeah, actually worthwhile. In the end, I think I'd kind of recommend incorporating these sort of just mountain bike rides, like you would strength training sessions in one regard, in mm-hmm. the sense that you have to consider the fact that it's going to take a toll. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be a necessary part of your training program that you need in order to get better and not only just get better, but also just psychologically manage things. You know, mm-hmm. I know that when I go and ride my mountain bike and do like great descents, everything else, especially on shuttle days, when we can just repeat <laughs> fun descents over and over. So instead of descending once I can descend six times. Mm-hmm. I feel great. Yeah, you're happy, right? Like it's really fun, <laughs> you know, and, and I feel like a psychological boost. I get excited about riding again. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm, you know, if I'm run down, it's, I think it's, I think it's a great thing to add. So yeah. as, as far as Alan says, where, like, how should I factor them in and classify these workouts? Um, Alan, what I would do depends on, did he say what plan he's on? Uh, you know, no. Marathon? no, okay. well, so that's uh, his goal though. So probably training for that. If you have complete flexibility, Here's either Thursday or Sunday with our classical plan stuff because um, they are going to make you a little more tired because there's the added ability of like what we just talked about, whole body strength. And on Thursday or Sunday, Friday is either an easier day or a day off in our plans. And Monday is a day off on our plans. So doing like having that at the very end would give you time to recover for the next uh, workout where if you did it on a Wednesday, Thursday's hard. Or if you did it on a um, mm-hmm. Tuesday, then you have Wednesday that's on some plans that are it's semi hard, too hard. And then you have Thursday and that can be kind of where you down, but yeah. you're doing sweet spot or threshold. A lot of times too, on Thursday, they are a sweet spot or threshold workout. So you might be not getting the amount of time at sweet spot or threshold. Um, in, I mean, you could do reps so you get enough time, but like a steady 20 minutes at threshold is different than five, five minutes mm-hmm. at threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they would produce the same TSS, which is another discussion. Sure. But, uh, th- that's how I would structure it to try to, to not mess up your, your yeah. other training. And I think that one thing that uh, how close you are, if you're already struggling with your weekly workouts, adding the mountain bike ride, isn't going to help. No, unfortunately. no, um, you it's have gonna make to, it tougher. yeah, it's going to make it tougher. So if you're, if you're killing it and your and your regular sweet spot rides and your re- regular weekly workouts feel good. Mm-hmm you can fine tune how much mountain biking you can add, yep. but if you're already on the limit, uh. can I add one caveat too, to like, uh, working it into your training a lot you of may. the time. Thanks, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, so let's say that his sweet spot to threshold climbs every time to go up to the top of these runs is 10 minutes. And he has three, 10 minute sweet spot intervals scheduled for that day. There's like a tendency to think perfect. I can get my workout done, which you can, 
But think of it this way. If you were to do that workout inside and then in the rests, you were to basically be doing squats and you were to be jumping around and doing something extremely <laughs> difficult, then get back on and do it again. That would probably make you really tired for the next day's workout. Mm -hmm. So even though the intervals, like the climbs may work out to be the same, the descending is still really taxing. So you can't just say like, well, since the climb is 10 minutes long and I have 10 minute intervals to do, that's going to be perfect. I can just check off my workout. You could do that. You just have to make sure that you're not at your limit in terms of what you can sustain for stress, because that is going to the descending just adds more. So, mm -hmm. uh, as much as we want to think that it's only hard when we're pedaling, it's no, not, it's hard all the time. That's exactly. why you should do it Thursday or Sunday. <clears throat> right. Yeah, I agree. E even like a cyclocross skills day, that's not going to be not strenuous. That's going to be difficult doing run-ups, getting off and on all that stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's hard. Uh, John says, <clears throat> he says, okay, this is a long one, which I'm sure Jonathan will like. I think <laughs> that he was being sarcastic there. Uh, <laughs> I hope <laughs> he says, but I also think it's an important question for those using trainer road as it relates to effort pacing during intervals on Sunday. I completed Ainsley, which Nate, do you want to, uh, we should probably explain, uh, what Ainsley is, which it's one of our workouts. And I think it's at 105%, right? Yep. It is <clears throat> four times four minute intervals at 105% FTP with four minute recoveries at 50% FTP. Cool. So hard workout, um, uh, four minutes at 105% yeah. and it's not, <laughs> it's know. a 0.8 IF for an hour. Sure. So it's, it's, it's a solid workout. Those mm -hmm. four minutes at the end of the four minutes, you'll be glad that you'll be glad it's over. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 It's a solid workout, but <laughs> yes. it, it's not a, like a Mary Austin broken Carpathian. finger. Yeah. yeah nothing yeah. like that. Yep, exactly. Cool. So that gives you some, some context. He says on Sunday, I completed Ainsley and based on a 260 FTP and an erg mode, I completed the first intervals hitting the target powers of the cadence of 91 to 85. Um, I assume it means 85 to 91, <laughs> um, average. And he says in a heart rate of around 145 to 150, these efforts were difficult, but comfortable and steady, both in terms of cadence and power output with these efforts. I focused on increasing my cadence and effort throughout the interval. So starting easier and getting harder. This is reflected in my heart rate going up to a peak of 166 for the last two intervals. However, I realized that because I was in erg mode, I might as well try and push my cadence as high as possible. And the benefit of that with erg mode when you're using trainer road is you can ride at whatever cadence you want within reason. Uh, usually once you get down toward like 50 RPM trainers start to have, it, it makes it a little bit harder to hold it. Mm -hmm. Um, but in, it'll still hold the power target because it's constantly adjusting resistance. And he says he did this from hundred to 110, uh, from the start and then tried to hold that for as long as possible throughout the interval for threshold four and five, for those intervals that he did the last ones, I hit 102 average cadence and around 158 to 162 average heart rate. And he says 273 power nailed that. So that was the goal. These efforts though, felt much harder. Like I was hanging on and heart and really having to push by the end of the last effort. My cadence was down to 63 and he says my heart rate was at 175. So even though he started high, he really dropped down. Right. Mm -hmm. He says, that's a really low. That's a big drop. 63. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're dragging at that's that point. That's a grind. Yeah, yes. Struggling a <laughs> that's bit. a, why did I bring this gearing to the, <laughs> yeah. to this climb? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and he says that his heart rate was almost maxed out at 175, but with good power. So my question is, which is the right way to approach an interval? Start hard and hold on to get max benefit or start easier and get harder throughout the effort. I felt that the first approach is better as it increases overall effort and thus adaptation. However, my TS, yep. and that's an assumption <laughs> on his end, right? He says, however, my TSS data says seven for seven on all intervals that they were all the same basically. But for the last two, they certainly felt harder than the previous ones. 
Um, so, and he says, and he mentions not just because they were at the end of the session, but because of the approach that he took. I Thanks wanna, five out of five on the podcast. I want to say a few things before we go through our notes. Cool. First, um, as you go through intervals at threshold, um, even high sweet spot or above, um, it is very, 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 very common for your heart rate to go up for each and every interval. Totally. Mm -hmm. like, happens to everybody. Yes. Every time. Like this is, we are fatiguing you and your yeah. body's getting more fatigued through the whole workout. So, yes. uh, that's to be expected. So yes. some of the cadence stuff might not even be related to that. You just be getting tired. That's another mm -hmm. tricky thing of heart rate. Exactly. Yep. The second one, if your, uh, effort level goes up, let's, let's say we, we could take that out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, what maybe you're finding is. Hey, I'm not very good at riding that 100 110 cadence. Then you need to make the decision is, is this needed in my racing? If yes, where I think hundred probably, I mean, if sure, but if you're yeah. a gravel racer, maybe you never do 110, you ride at 80 and that's your thing. Yeah. You don't need it. But if you're a mountain biker, oh yes. Crit. Yes. Sure. Uh, cyclocross. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to need to be able to like do with those. And then I would add some of those, um, cadence drills but into uh, easier workouts. Yes, exactly. Yes. So like, uh, there's one called Baxter. Yeah, so that is a whole cadence drill. <laughs> Nate's heard uh, of that one before. I don't always do the cadence. I never do the cadence drills on that anymore, but um, I'm pretty good at writing out lots of cadences and it doesn't mm -hmm. impact my RPE, yep. but try it on the lower, uh, on lower wattages and being able to write at those and not on the harder ones. Um, yes. And two, just because something feels harder, which I think we're gonna get into more, yeah. does not necessarily mean you are getting more training benefit. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, uh, this is something that the guys from the strong Runner by science podcast talked about. And we actually talked about this one before there's like some bro science that makes so much sense in our minds, but data hasn't backed it up yet. That it's kind of like, like you really don't get benefit until like the last two intervals because that's in your stretching capacity. Right. Um, they say reps, but yeah, yeah reps for them. Yeah. But for us, like in the mindset, it would be like intervals. Right. And, and they actually found that like, that's not the case that it's not the case that when you do those extra reps right at the end, that that's where you get like hypertrophy or whatever yeah. else they were going for. Ar Arnold said it, like you get all the benefit and the last two reps. Yeah. 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 Apparently but, not, but apparently not uh, <laughs> yeah. science doesn't necessarily back that up. Makes so much sense in our minds. Right. But yeah. you know, that's just how that goes. So like, it's important to make sure that you understand that like TSS is not equal to effort. Uh, yes. Yeah, right. That's, that's the one that decoupling that really needs to happen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard because we feel like, man, I feel like I, that was harder than the other one, but you still did the same amount of work and TSS is based off the work done. This is why when I can, uh, I take in caffeine. Yes. As far as we know, caffeine doesn't blunt aerobic adaptions, but it lowers the RPE. Mm -hmm. So during a workout, I have two choices. I can either actually increase the wattage, which will make me faster, or I do the same workout and it's not as hard, yep. which is to me, I love that because <laughs> yes. that, that I think that's less burnout, more likely to be consistent mm -hmm. can do things or eating, sleeping, sure. yeah. um, better long-term solution. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You do a whole year where everything instead of an eight is a seven. Yeah. It's a lot, lot easier. This is something that you'll see common in common with all good mm -hmm. endurance athletes and coaches is that every workout should not feel like it absolutely drained you. You don't want that. Oh, you want easy days. You want days, mm -hmm. you Extremely want days where days. you feel like you are on top of it. Like, and you are on top of the ball and you just knock that workout out. Yeah. Don't worry about it. In one week, it might change and it might be hard, right? If you're consistent. And the cool part is if it's a little bit easier, it's going to make it easier to be more consistent. Mm -hmm. And if you can do more work, that's the one thing that we've found in terms of a consistent thing where fast people or like people that are doing a good job, like plus 4.5 Watts per kilogram, that sort of stuff. 
one of the most common factors between all of them is consistency in training. You can mm-hmm. say that if you're more consistent, like you. it's better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Off the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off the couch, four watts. Ah, so annoying. It is so annoying. <laughs> Nate's triggered right now. Um, but Just the, jealous. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, I think that John is kind of, and this is a tendency. I see this a lot. He's kind of trying to get the most out of it's every like interval ringing, or make it harder. Yeah. yeah. Squeeze the juice, squeeze the juice out, right? Like make <clears throat> every interval even harder, find ways to get more out of every interval. You'll get faster by being one consistent and two adding volume. Mm-hmm. So you can either go up in volume in the plan level. Yep. Um, an easy way too is, uh, you just add an extra 10, 20 minutes yep. at the end with our extend cooldown feature, mm-hmm. make that aerobic yep. kind of what you would do a Baxter or pet to that. Um, that is a great way to add volume. I've had great success with that. I think a lot of writers here have. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I can't I can't sing the praises of that enough. It's easy. It's feels nice to do. It recovers you a little more for your next workout. And it like, doesn't I don't think it recovers oh, well, you more for your next workout. Yeah. You spin out your legs a little bit. Sure. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whatever whatever that actually does. <laughs> um, but and it also it's like 20, 30, 40 more TSS a week on a, over a long period of time. It, yes. The cool part about it is that it like it doesn't take that much more time. Where if you did another session, like it takes a lot more time. Totally. You just add an extra fifteen minutes, and uh, it's just there, right? Yeah. And then you're right, Pete. You do that every day, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess it could be an extra ten. So you could add sixty TSS to the week. That's a which lot. Is like a that's a lot. Makes solid a big workout. difference. So uh, let's just say you are in the situation of John where you feel like the workouts are too easy, and that's why you're trying to get more out of them. In that case, I just recommend you reassess. Well, he they're not based on his heart rate going they up. Are. They're not too easy, right? But let's just say you are, right? Yeah. Let's say you're in that situation. You feel like you're trying to get more out of the intervals because it feels easier than it should feel. Yeah. Re- reassess. Reassess. And just also know that aerobic should feel easy and sweet spot should be challenging, but not I'm throwing up. Yeah, soul yes. crushing. Soul crushing, yeah. Like, um, and that, I mean, if you don't fuel, we've talked about this before with Amber. Sweet spot can feel really bad. Yeah, it can feel <laughs> really, really fuel. bad. But yeah. if it's, you don't have to make those hard. But in this workout though, 0.8 IF, solid. Yeah. But, you know, it, I don't even know which plan this, this is not even in a plan, so he's just cherry picking. Yeah. Um, you could go for the plus one or there's a plus, there's all, it goes up to, oh my goodness, plus eight. <laughs> it goes up to plus eight. So if you want more, mm-hmm. choose another plus and you can do a whole bunch more intervals. So sure. It goes up to an hour and 45 minutes at 0.82, which yep. is still, that's hard, but it's still doable. It's eight of these instead of four. Yep. Some other things, if you feel like you need more, right? Uh, in one regard or another, strength training. Like, uh, maybe you aren't strength training. You can add that in, uh, focus on the kid. And then when we talk about like the cadence side of things, like focus on a cadence range that's outside of your familiarity, but you don't need to go crazy. Like Mm -hmm. you don't need to go down to 50 and do 130, something like that. Unless Uh, you plan on for some reason using those in your race. If you're a track guy yeah, or track rider, Uh you definitely want to be able to really high cadence, but really I'm never going above. 110 120 hardly like and i don't need to practice that i don't need to do 150 spin-ups sure yeah yeah exactly so it's it's really prepping in terms of cadence just prep for what you plan on racing for and it is really good like nate said to be familiar with a wide range but doesn't have to go crazy and then i guess the last thing but this is there's a lot of like uh asterisks with this one if it does feel like you just need to add more and you have the need for heat adaptation coming up for some sort of hot event that you're going to do, then you can start to incorporate, you know, dropping your cooling down or something like that when you're training. But if you drop that down on workouts like Ainsley, where it's like 105% FTP, 
that's probably going to be really limiting in terms of your ability to complete the intervals where you want to start to add that in is on lower intensity mm -hmm. stuff. Like we're talking really low intensity or after the workout or mm -hmm. after the yeah. best case scenario is to separate it entirely from your training, right? To just do the sauna time or sit in the hot bathtub with your hands and feet submerged and to do that directly after the workout, directly after, directly yeah. after rather yeah. than doing it in the work. Cause then you can just make both optimized and no, it's going to take like seven, 10, two weeks to like get the adaptions. And then I forget exactly how fast they go away, but it's fast. It's like a week. It's fast. So mm -hmm. if you start doing it now and you're not consistent because you have a hot race, you have Kona coming up next October. <laughs> yeah. Uh, might not benefit you. What I want to see, and everyone has any research on this, please put it in the forum post on this is if you take two groups and you have one be heat adapted, can they then go deeper on these workouts mm -hmm. or does it then lower the RPE? Because it's just like the caffeine thing, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Do I have a choice to do that? And yeah. then over, over time, over six months, if I continue this, mm -hmm. is my performance going to be better? Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Exactly. I would, yeah. I'm, I would think that maybe, maybe possibly, uh, once again, maybe. it makes sense in the mind. <laughs> I know that's what I want to see the results. Um, yeah. Oh man. That's how it goes. Right. Uh, John's question says, Hey guys, love the podcast. Uh, five plus stars. There's a couple Johns this week. Uh, he says, I have a question that relates to the advantages of being a larger rider. If any, it seems there are a few, he says, hmm. I'm a bigger rider about six foot, four inches and 195 pounds, about 190 on race days. That's big. Um, so that's just a little bit shorter than you, Nate. And then that's, but around the same weight, right? I was. I was 194.5 this morning okay. and someone, thanks for the person in the forum who asked me if I ate a donut, I guess I'm gaining weight on the camera. So now <laughs> wow. I'll, I will continue to lose weight uh, today. People are rough, yeah, man. People, are, people yeah. are brutal. Yes. Um, so, so he says, I'd love to get to about 180 pounds. So dropping about 10 pounds, that's, you know, a, a good amount mm -hmm. to drop there. But uh, he says, but I love cookies. I feel him on that. Yeah, yep. I, I yeah. do too. He says, I ride mostly road races and Grand Fondos in the 100 to 125 kilometer range. So some around, you know, 70, 80 mile races, somewhere around there. And he says, they're flat and rolling with a few longish climbs. And I've noticed something fairly consistent when I'm riding in a group. On the flats, it seems that I'm working less hard than the smaller riders. And when we hit a slight downhill, I often can stop pedaling altogether while most of the pack is still cranking away. This seems fairly consistent from group to group. Is it simply a matter that my mass to wind resistance ratio is more favorable than for the smaller riders? I'm somewhat familiar with Newton's law of motion, bodies in motion, wish to stay in motion, etc., and Galileo's experiments with dropping feathers and bowling balls. And he says, okay, he probably didn't use bowling balls. <laughs> says, uh, off of towers. And it seems that my larger size may make it easier to keep moving. Even if the hole I'm punching through the wind is slightly larger, he says, but not larger enough to make up for the increased inertia. So... He says, am I making this up? If not, I think I could use this to my advantage. For example, breaking away from smaller riders of equal power who will have a harder time maintaining the same speed on the flats, assuming I can get a gap. Love to get your thoughts on this and any other advantage that may come of being a larger rider. Thanks in advance. Keep up the great work. Yeah, you're basically right. So mm -hmm. he is right. Um, next question. Just joking. Um, <laughs> Done. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> the interesting thing with this one, like I've thought of this before, like when I go on to sense, like I wish I had like, what do they call it? They call it like ballasts in a boat, basically. Yeah. Like I'm like, I need more weight right now, you know? And I, I want to get rid of it soon, but just right now, I want more weight, right? Pick it up at the top of the climb <laughs> yeah. and then drop it at Carry the bottom. <laughs> hey, why don't they do that, right? It's like a feed, like, a ballast feed. Yeah, exactly. A ballast <laughs> feed, like just load the cyclist up. Might make it more stable too, as long as it sticks to them. 
we're going to see that at the tour. They're just yeah. going to be like loading their guys up with like CrossFit weight vests well, going down. It'd be hilarious. Yeah, like a super, like a 50 pound bike. So that the gra- <laughs> center of gravity is super low. Yeah. They just jump on. And just then a kid's bicycle at that with, point, With right? like 32s on it. Yeah, they weigh 50 pounds and they're yeah. low center of gravity. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> there are absolute benefits in this case because, so I, whenever I ride with you, Pete, and also with you, Nate, too, um, uh, I find that, like there are times when I just, I wish like you guys are doing all the right things to take advantage of your big weight. Like one of those examples is if we're coming in to like a descent, I noticed that Pete, you sneakily always kind of build up your momentum coming into that descent so you can get a tiny gap. And then once that gap is established, it is curtains for all of us. Cause you're sitting on your top tube and then all of us are trying to work so hard to close you down, but you have that weight working for you. And at a high speed. And so at the high speed. I know what you're talking about. You're going 40 there. So yeah. uh, mm-hmm. air resistance is the a square when it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not a square, uh, exponential when it increases. Yes. So the faster you go, the harder it is to close the gap. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you can be a big writer, as uh, John said, if you can get separation, um, we'll talk about some other ones, but separation. Yes. Then then it's not a, le- uh, it's not a fair playing field because mm-hmm. it's like if based on your power and uh, what do we say in the, the meeting? Oh, if you're, if at Pete's VO two max, it is under 20%. He can go 30 and yeah. John can go 28. Yeah. Well, he's just going to be gaining time yes. where if they're together, they're the same. And a, a smaller rider usually sometimes usually can't go as fast. They have to be really pretty arrow yeah. where mm-hmm. if you're a big guy, this is why I, I buy all this arrow stuff because this is where I, my time to shine is I want to make my strengths better. Yep. So yep. if I do get separation, I want to be as arrow as possible and uh, put out as much power as possible so that I can get that little one or two miles per hour differential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think what Nate said is exactly right. It's all about separation. As soon as we have, as soon as a big rider has separation, it's a whole new playing field for us. And that's when the advantages really start to shine. Um, so you can't waste your time doing things without a gap or without separation. Yeah. Like pulling, like if, if not, it's the opposite because like when you <laughs> sit behind me, yeah. you're probably doing. I don't know, a hundred less Watts than behind like Jose, a smaller rider. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, it's like if, if so as a smaller rider, whenever I see a gap opening up to a bigger rider, I really have to act very quickly at shutting that down mm-hmm. because once it gets established, it's just too hard to be able to make that up. Like another situation too is, and this is kind of for the same principle in many regards, but crosswinds and tailwinds, like let's say we have a crosswind. And that crosswind is taking 50 Watts out of us. Mm -hmm. 50 Watts for me is a larger percentage of my threshold than it is for Pete. And if I'm not getting drafting benefit from Pete, then man, it's really tough for me to ride at the same speed that Pete's riding at. So that's another time. That's where like big riders do so well. Yeah. So if you don't have, if you don't have separation in your big rider and there's a big crosswind, that's when you can attack. We see this all the time in the tour. And they all echelon out and we have videos to you get to exit the curb or something sure. that be safe, but, um, you can, that's when you can put out a lot of power and then you get the separation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And tailwinds too, because tailwinds in one respect, they nullify or they decrease the effect of the draft. Right. Yep. So at that point, if I'm drafting behind you, but you're still getting a push from the tailwind, mm-hmm. you know, I'm once again, I'm just having to work really hard to hold that speed that you have. Yeah. And I think high speed in general, right? Like if, if you're above 35 miles an hour, it's going to be easier on us. Uh, mm-hmm. just like Nate was saying, just our VO two max and speed is yeah. the, the relationship is easier for us. If there's separation. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If yeah. there's no separation, it's easier on the person drafting. Well, like, sure. But separation if we're, if we're both drafting, if John and if John and you are both drafting, you're having an easier ride 
in that high speed? Uh, sometimes because when I get behind John okay. and we're going that fast and he tucks in, I am. Your knees are great. That's like it. <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm still I'm putting out. I don't get as much of a rest. Yeah. Yep. Let's say let's say you're both on me. I'm, there's a one of me in front of John and there's one of me in front of you. Yeah. You're gonna have an easier ride if we're going 36 miles an hour. Sure. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. If we're both the draft. Is yeah. The if same. the draft is the same. Yep. Exactly. The the other thing too to think of is the fact that in a race it's never as dynamic or it's never as as set as like. These are this, the wind's always going to be in this direction mm -hmm. and everyone's just going to follow a perfect ideal format and, 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 and formation, forgive me. Instead, it's always changing, right? And gaps always do open up and things change constantly. So if you can be a bigger rider, that's just trying to take advantage of it at the right point. A lot of kind of what we talked about in our recent race analysis video in that criterium that we mm -hmm. did that you can see in there, if you're constantly, if you're a big rider and you're looking to take advantage of that, then you're going to be in a great spot. Just like if you're a small rider and whenever you get to climbs or that sort of stuff, you try to take advantage of that, right? Or accelerations. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, Brendan house, Hauser, Hausler. Okay. I think that's how you say his name. I think that's right. Um, I've talked about him before. He's like 180 pounds, but he's got like a 400 to 420 watt FTP. Big, Big guy. I think he's like six, four, six, five. Um, got to eat six, a lot six. to fuel that work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. but also pretty, he's, body comp is on point two-time national champion masters i believe it's road and tt hmm. um i know it's road for sure uh, i know it's one time for sure but anyways that's an example of a big guy winning like even at road and i, I think he did it through a breakaway because mm -hmm. wow. he got separation and then you have that 400 watt ftp can you imagine oh, just holding yeah. 400 watts for like 40 minutes it'd be amazing um yeah and the other thing to You'd say eat a whole pizza <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but even for that that's not a huge like high watt per kg no. right right it's not, but, no. but the tactics you use in the race makes mm -hmm. it so that it, it, um you take that size to your benefit by having only you do it when you have separation yeah i think one thing that this underlines is that really big riders do one all-in attack or it's a focused attack that matters a lot where mm -hmm. smaller riders can do a but like death by a thousand paper cuts and just attack the field over and over. Big riders cannot do that, right? Yep. Don't waste your time yeah. trying things out. It's like it went hot, in one basket. you just got to strike and yeah. go for it. Especially yeah. if you get in a breakaway with another big rider, mm -hmm. you guys go all in, especially mm -hmm. for like the first like four oh, or five yeah. minutes. It's mm -hmm. going to make it so hard on all of us. I know because you, you're going to. So if two people or three big riders are going all in, the field, I feel like has to have five smaller riders uh -huh. that have to go all in and the likelihood of them to like rotate correctly mm -hmm. is oh, not. Yeah. But if as a big rider, you get some separation, then for the first three or four minutes, you start riding at what you think you're like your 30 minute rest of the race paces, they're going to bring you back. Sure. You got to, you got to get like commit to a serious <clears throat> effort. Yeah. And then really you can keep stay away. Yeah. I think I want to talk about as a bigger rider. Um, Group rides versus races. Uh -huh. As a bigger rider and lower watt KG, I feel like when you go on a group ride, um, especially if it's not like a drop ride kind of thing, there's a, at least here, big climbs, uh -huh. and you're just going to get destroyed all the time. It's so fun. I, I get, I'm a terrible group rider, right? I get dropped <laughs> at group rides all the time. Like, I've never won a... Or, because they, it, the pace isn't crazy, but then everyone goes up. Like if you, if the group ride goes on big, long climbs, that mm -hmm. sort of stuff, you guys just get detached. Yeah. yeah. It's just a watt KG game. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, That's it. But on races, it's short power, tactics, separation, yep. all this sort of stuff, which in a group ride, you do that and you're a jerk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, drop ride's different, but totally. in, a, in a group ride, you can't do that. So yeah. you can, uh, again, uh, group rides, I'm just like you. I'll get dropped all the time by all these people. But then you go to a race, yeah. 
totally different situation and you exactly. can now do it. So just because you get dropped in a group ride all the time, you're a bigger rider, doesn't mean you can't be a great racer. Totally. Mm-hmm. Use yeah. your brain. Exactly right. Yep. Uh, let's go into Dale's question. He says, just finishing up Sweet Swap Basement Volume 2. I made it through successfully uh, through Sweet Swap Basement Volume 1 and 2 without any major hangups. Congratulations. Hitting that sort of consistency is awesome. That's what makes you fast. He says, I'm now into the last week, which is recovery rides, uh, which is a recovery week. Uh, recovery ride week, I should say. So mm-hmm. he's still on the bike. Uh, he says every workout is easy to complete, but my leg muscles feel thrashed in between workouts. I've been cycling hard for three years and have always been up about 180 centimeters, which is, and he says 67 kilograms and I'm always gaining FTP. Uh, he says it was two fifteen six weeks ago. He says, but this being my first round of trainer work, trainer road workouts ever, it's new to me to what my, or what my body is going through, not having the consistency until now. Is this the muscle recovery, he says in quotes, or healing from all the work I've done? And I assume he's talking about like the pain that he's feeling or like the discomfort, right? The soreness. If my legs are feeling this way, would it be a good idea to take a week to rest between the recovery week and starting a build phase? You fellas are accurate, inspiring, encouraging, and entertaining, and I promote you in any way I can. Thank you, Dale. Thanks, Dale. Appreciate that. Um... That's a, that's a much fr- more friendly way to interact than, than <laughs> Nate having a donut or whatever said anybody else said. <laughs> so, hey, I, so I am gaining weight, but it's by choice. Mm-hmm. I'm get, lifting weights. You've been weights. in the gym a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Trying yeah. to get that muscle on. That's right. Gains. Yeah, Gains. must. <laughs> so uh, this is a good example of like structure hurts. It's hard. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and consistency, it adds up. Like you don't need, and once again, you don't need every workout to feel like it kills you. Oh, yeah. Like if you do that, you're just not going to be consistent. But once you do, in this case, 12 weeks of training, then at that point you're like, wow, okay, this is, this starts to add up. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and with recovery weeks, we've mentioned this plenty of times before, but sometimes during a recovery week, I do feel like, oh yeah, I feel fine. Other times I really don't feel okay. Mm -hmm. And, but then I usually find that it prepares me for the work to come. Recovery week is not necessarily there to make you feel great as much as to allow your body to take on more stress. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like a, a good thing to keep in mind. Many times that side effect is you feel better, but not necessarily. Well, and yeah, and it's not a light switch, right? Like it's not recovery week. Oh, I feel great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like that one day off and then Tuesday you're ready to go. Yeah. Right. No, it's, it's the whole week. It takes the whole week to recover from the whole block of training. So think of it as the, by the next week in a week and a half from your last workout to the following Tuesday, you'll feel a little better. Dale. So on this, if you're, uh, if you're in the middle of the recovery week or just beginning, like, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. You go through Sunday and you're still totally thrashed. Maybe do another recovery week just to see how that feels. Um, but if you just have a little bit of like tired, tender legs, like welcome to the new norm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, for real. Welcome like, to the club. Yeah, this might yeah. only that feeling might only go away at the end of the year when you take more time off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't think I'm never like just perfectly fresh. Do you guys? This is a strange question, but cool do you guys thing. do you guys like that feeling? Yeah, I uh, like it. Uh, jazz like with- it doesn't. Fe- it's not that like it, I feel great, but I kind of like it. One of my teammates just messaged me the other day and he said, you know that the feeling deep in your legs, it's here and I love it or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Because he hasn't been training because for he the hasn't past been training, years. Yeah, and, and he's he's back on the train and he's been pretty consistent for the last few months. And he, he's like, yeah, that's just the thing you miss that feels yeah. good. Like it's, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're consistent. Your legs hurt a little bit and you're going through everything. I kind of like it. Like, it, I don't know. It just feels like, uh, it feels like it focuses me a bit because it's always there. And I'm just like, yep. 
I'm in the middle of it and I'm working hard and I'm doing something worthwhile. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of like it, but not to say that it feels comfortable. It still is uncomfortable. I like it for weight training, but for cycling, I don't like it because <laughs> it just means my workout's going to be a little harder. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I guess I like what it means maybe more than yeah. anything else. The underlying reason. Yeah, exactly. Behind it. Right. The other thing, um, in my personal experience, cause I've had just the worst thrash legs, but for me, extra carbs over time has made it. So I have less hard thrash legs. I mm-hmm. used to think it was protein and I'd be like, Oh, I have muscle damage or any extra protein. So that recover it. But Once I really again, think it's the, it's the bro science, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it, it makes well, sense in our mind. That's not even bro science. That's real, real science, science. But yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've found a, a correlation of if I do eat a higher carb load, it does, my legs aren't as damaged. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because they don't get as, they don't get as damaged because of it, or it's a lack of glycogen that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do carb up too, your legs feel bigger. Like, and then when yeah. they feel bigger, that's actually too like that feeling. When sure. you squeeze your legs and they're like, Ooh, <laughs> like muscles. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you can literally feel like your, your, uh, leg muscles got bigger. You're like, I'm, this is working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might want to try that also during that recovery week, we mentioned a lot of times, but don't, um, don't think this is the time to lose weight. Um, just fuel yeah. to hunger. Yeah. Uh, don't try to lose weight during that because your body right. is recovering unless people are talking about how many donuts you're eating. <laughs> podcast. In that case, then, just don't eat yeah. fast for seven days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Let's go into Bogdan's question. He says, Hey guys, November, 2019 marks one year for me being with trainer road and listening to the podcast. They both have kept me motivated and helped me to achieve my goals. Five stars for reasons I will point out in my question. Awesome. Uh, good to hear. And thanks Bogdan. This is thanks for training road and some hard work at the end of the, of the racing season this year, I upgraded to cat two on the road along with trainer roads, very own Nate Pearson. Congrats, Nate. Yeah. It says it got me thinking about the massive leap in almost all aspects of racing between cat three and cat two, which is arguably the biggest of all category upgrades in the U S that's my it question. Is. Yep. I would say, yeah. And then that's often <clears throat> because twos right now race with ones in many cases and race with pros P one, two P one, two. Right. The category, um, there needs to be like eight more categories to divide these guys up. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. Right. Uh, so he says, uh, thus my question, what advice would you give to a new cat two with regards to one training? Would you say more aerobic base, more sustained power and fatigue resistance? Number two race tactics. Now you're with the big guns. He says number three, the path to cat one. And he mentions balance between gaining experience by getting your teeth kicked in and getting experience by winning. And then the final one, number three, when should one uh, race the cat two, three versus cat one, two, if there is such a choice, Mm because many times they combine the categories Mm -hmm. like that. Thanks for reading. Hopefully I will get to see and race with you guys. If you come out to intelligentsia or gateway cup in 2020. Thank you so much for asking this question, because I wanted to ask this question (laughs) on this episode, on the podcast. And I read through the notes and I'm like, whoa, it's amazing. Yeah. And you have, but you've laid it out better than I would. Yeah. So, uh, and first of all, I I don't know if we'll see him out at those races, but we have talked about going to those races. I don't know if it'll work out this year. I'm trying to sweet talk Nate into going to some, some crit stage races. Oh, I really want to go to, was it Gastown in Vancouver? Yeah. That one's a good one. It's very hard. Would that be good for a punchy rider? It's uh, BC Super Week. Um, Then you could pick and choose and get like, yeah, it's... It would tune you up. Let's just say <laughs> <laughs> I would get teed up or yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Got it. Is it like, is it rolly and punchy? Um, I, they're almost all crits. I haven't actually done BC. I've only done Gaston. I haven't done BC super week, but, okay. um, it's, I think it's five days of crits during the week. Vancouver's leading. a pretty hilly city. So Gastown has a hill in it, uh, a okay. cobbled hill as a matter of fact. Oh. 
Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. As a cat so one, a cat okay. one racer, race yeah. at an elite national level. Why is the P12 so much harder than the oh, cat threes? It kind of takes all the racing you're used to and flips it on its head, right? Um, <laughs> racing's different. Racing's different, like 100%. Uh, all the things that worked in Cat 3 racing doesn't necessarily work in Cat 2. So all the things you've learned and fine-tuned over the course of your last season, if you're Nate, or many years. Uh, Doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it, it's not as applicable, right? Uh, is that because of teams now? Well, it's a bunch of different things, right? I think teams is is a huge portion of it. All of a sudden, you're racing against drilled teams, teams that have all the same goal as uh, everybody on the team is working towards one goal. And racing a team is it's so much harder than racing a single person or just racing a field, right? Mm -hmm. And then having multiple teams in it. Now you're balancing racing against two or three or four strong teams mm -hmm. and the way they want the race to unfold and versus how you want the race to unfold. Um, I think as a cat three, pretty much you're along for the ride or in fours and fives, you're along for the ride and then you try to win. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like in yeah. the most basic yeah. sense. Um, and in, in pro and two, there's a certain way you can win the race. You don't have many options. You have a specific way that you win the race or the type of rider you are that wins the race. And you kind of cultivate the race to turn into that scenario. You try to drive it in mm -hmm. that direction. Yeah. And hope, right. Uh, but there's everybody else is doing the, doing same. the same. Exactly. So in like three, four, or even the one, two, three, I could win a breakaway. I could wait for the sprint and get points mm -hmm. or I could do a last lap flyer. Yeah. Yeah. You had does, options, right? I had options. Right. And then based on, I could look at whatever the option is best for that. That doesn't happen. Right. Because in P1, two sprinting, like I will never win another sprint or place another sprint again mm -hmm. right. uh, from the field. Cause you're competing against not only really good sprinters that have honed their craft for years, but also their teams that are dedicated yeah. to that. So it's the real deal and then lead out train. So how yeah. does that work in the last, how does that work in uh, P1 team? Yeah. I lead out trains are, lead out trains are good. Um, it, the whole finish of a P1 two race is different. Um, and depending on what caliber of P1 two racing, uh, it's more and more scary kind of as you go up. Um, mm -hmm. Like Nate, I, I used to be able to win bunch sprints, uh, even cat two bunch sprints I could win. Um, and as a P12 sprinter, I am terrible. Right, like <laughs> relatively I've, I've, speaking, yeah, and you I'm, peak at eighteen hundred watts. Yeah, I'm a fast sprinter. <laughs> so uh, he's terrible. <laughs> That's and, a lot yeah. of watts, <laughs> but you're terrible. Yeah, I've never won a P12 bunch kick, um, for sure. Uh, it's uh, so much more about positioning and kind of that last high. Uh, let's say in a normal regional California NorCal race, the last few laps are pretty hard. Let's say three, four laps are mm -hmm. going to be fast. Um, so all of a sudden, you're not sprinting from cruising around at 25 miles an hour. Right. And then you just uncork and kaboom, right? There was a sprint. You're going pr probably at threshold or, you know, 100% for the last three, four, five minutes. Yeah. Um, but you're also, not only are you working at that max, pretty high percentage of, of your fitness, you are kind of battling 20 other guys also doing that same thing. And you're fighting for positions into each corner, kind of who you want to be sprinting off of, who you want to be around. Um, people are still attacking, so there's still accelerations. Um, you're in a whole, like the race transforms in the lead out. Yeah. Um, and in the big races, uh, we would always say you had to be in the position you want to be sprinting from when the lead outs start. 
So for some races, that's like 10 laps to go or 15 laps to go. You need to be 10 or 15th wheel. Which is hard to maintain. And then you fight for 20 minutes. Um, And it's if you turn off, you lose five or 10 wheels. If you make a mistake, you lose five or 10 wheels. So you have to make a bunch of decisions correctly in a row to just be able to play. Yeah. Um, And it that all still still counts for regular p12 races it's making a bunch of correct decisions at the end of the race um because mistakes are much more costly um like nate i remember you had a couple races where you could move to the back to the front with on the second two laps to go you're like i'm gonna move to the front and then i just move to the front and then move to the front and then attack and kaboom like that's the race yeah uh that doesn't happen anymore unfortunately if there's one rider when all the teams are up there with like and whether it's a full sprint lead out or not but all the teams are present at the front and they're trying to maintain their position Mm -hmm. first of all it's so fast you can hardly even try to escape but if one rider tries to go yeah you're not going to be able to do it with all those teams going up there. You can't yeah. sneak away. Yeah, like there's that. no sneaking away. And <clears throat> most of those leadouts ride pretty defensively. Like they'll close corners. Um, if they see you coming, they're not going to let you attack the field, right? They're going to move they'll, over. They'll move over and stop you. Plus, they're, they're, uh, the videos I've seen, they're going 30, 35. Yeah. yeah. So you can't, like, how can't do you attack zoom. over that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. You're going two more miles per hour more than they get in your draft and then swarm you up. So there's yeah. also, we talked about, there's a different kind of swarming. So in the three fours, threes, even a two, three race, I've had it where it slows down. You get swarm meeting the, the back of the field and envelops you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's a different kind of swarming in P12s. What's that, Pete? Yeah. Um, so since the speed is already high um, and everybody wants to be near the front, um, right? Obviously, you're not going to win from the back. Uh, and we have multiple teams doing leadouts or even just duos where there's a leadout guy and a sprinter um, or a friend, you know, someone you meet during the race. He's like, I'll lead you out. Yeah. And you're like, all right, sweet. Here we go. Yeah. Um, so you have multiple groups all fighting for that front position. So not only is there more people pushing the pace so the race is even faster because you're having to win to each corner. There's a mini drag race from corner to corner every time because the person who gets there first gets to take the line and everybody else slows down. Um, But the whole front of the pack, if there's multiple lead out trains, is like four or five wide and they're going that fast. So you you, with a long tail with a long them. tail so you you're not going to be able to kind of elbow your way into that group of people yeah. yes um yeah it's it's more it sounds difficult. so fun I yeah. <laughs> so you, you see this in the tour de france with the overall shots but in the lower categories there's like one train usually mm-hmm. so i've had one race where there was two trains but that's it yeah um but this one if there's multiple trains and you're sitting seventh wheel and then suddenly two other groups of 35 mile per hour people come to you and you get boxed in you're, then you get, you're kind of swarmed and you're, now you're like 20th wheel exactly. all of a sudden. And it takes no time at all. And, and what a lot of, uh, a lot of teams try to do is they time their, their hit so that when they have the right amount of people, if they have three or four people, that's probably two laps to go. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of sitting in the wings and then with two laps to go, they're going to put it all in and try to do two laps as hard as they can and beat the other lead out team to the, each corner. And I mean, all of a sudden, like you said, your 20th wheel and that happens all the time and it happens. People mess it up. So the race speeds up with three laps to go and it gets reshuffled. Um, there's just a lot more uh, moving pieces at the end of a race. Yeah. One of the things, too, that I think of with this is that a lot of the time when you don't make it to the end of the race and you see this a lot with P12s where, you know, mm-hmm. guys will just sit up and for the last like lap, something like that. Mm-hmm. 
it's, it's not necessarily just like a lack of fitness. It could be, but a lot of the time, like you said, it's just like that one wrong chess move that you mm -hmm. did. And it's just your chance at winning is one chance at winning. And yeah. that option just simply isn't playable anymore. You can't play that yeah. card. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, like, like you said, you have one card mm -hmm. and this is how you're going to be able to play it to be able to win this race. Yeah. And everything has to work out just like that in order for that to happen. Another thing you've said is that, um, in the last lap, we, we alluded to it before. If I'm 20th wheel, I'm still like, I'm in it. Right? Yeah, yeah, I exactly. still can do it. Right. But in the other races, your 20th wheel, I'm, if so I'm going to do P12 races, I'm just sitting up because I'm not going to be able to move up. Right. And I don't want to be caught in a crash. Sprint yeah. for 17th and crash. Yeah, it would get a I mean? broken collarbone. Yeah. yeah. So they're either I'm getting points or I'm getting, right. like, I'm 35th out of 37. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the riders are really, um, I feel like, Maybe aggressive is the wrong word, but I'll use that word, but they're not I think it's dangerous, the right word. but they're not dangerous, right? Yeah. Like, um, in this, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. a lot of crashes, yeah. it can't be, but what I'm getting at here is that riders, uh, contact is, is more present mm -hmm. and more dealt with. Mm -hmm. Whereas like if you're in a cat five race and somebody like bumps shoulders, it's like this red sea <laughs> stop parts, the, stop the race, stop the race. <laughs> like, Even in masters yeah. one, two, three, yeah. I feel it's like more gentleman racing mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. where in the. But how does it change in the P12, Pete? Um, <clears throat> yeah, the the way you get through people is by moving them out of the way, right? <laughs> uh, I, I remember that don't video. Don't do this, with, everyone. <laughs> I remember that video with uh, that, like a lot of people were upset about with Willie Myers uh, yeah, from the H2014 because he was, you know, like uh, pushing his head off the other shoulder because he was fighting for a wheel. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't think that that was out of for, out of line. Well, no, he was just uh, leaning over that against the rules. If you don't take your hands off the handlebars, I think it's okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, and he wasn't like, you know, like cracking somebody. Yeah. It skull wasn't even that aggressive. Like no. Willie's was kind of just like scooting. If you scoot someone off the wheel and they're eight inches off the line, yep. like all of a sudden he's doing a hundred more Watts to go that 35 miles an hour. Yeah. And even if it's only three or four seconds, like that's probably enough that Willie's going to get his handlebars in front of him. And that guy's not in the mix anymore. We'll try to find that video and put it in the forum. It's on post. Jeff Linder's. Mm, I forget Willie won the one, but on, it's on mm -hmm. NorCal cycling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we'll link to that video there, but, um, it's, so it's, that's like commonplace though. Right. Yeah. And not, not that it's, um, that kind of like more aggressive behavior or, uh, forceful. It, I was going to say like, um, <laughs> enthusiasm, <laughs> uh, but a lot of shoulder touching and a lot of hip touching where, um, you know, the, the spaces in the P12 race are just less, right? There's less kind of overall space because people there's usually the fields are a decent size and there's just more people and um, they're more comfortable with and, that and, and they're more comfortable. So you just end up turning and running into pe running into people, uh, like bouncing off the people a little more. And they're um, all fighting too for a mm -hmm. tighter spot. And, you know, and if yeah. that kind of scares you, if you get uh, the heebie-jeebies when someone's touching you going 35 miles an hour, um, and you go to the back, like the dude who bumped your hip yeah. uh, is happier. Kind of so, wider elbows when yeah. you go through, sure. so you kind of push people away. We have something on here on the notes, but uh, Nate, are you sure you want to cover this? Because this is possibly what I would be, what we would be talking about could be flipping over your card, so to speak. Um, highlight it. Cause whenever, uh, <laughs> whenever we talk about uh, what, whenever we talk about like what we're going to do at a race and then we show up at the race <laughs> in our region, Nate and I like we're marked. Yeah. Seems. But in P one too, like if you're marking me, you're losing the race. <laughs> <laughs> good, good point. Yeah. There's so many people good that point. have, yeah. uh, either the same size with much, everybody's more fit than me. Sure. Right. So, but here's how, 
here's my only chance to get points in the P12. And I do want to get a Cat 1 upgrade. Yeah. First flat races, obviously. That should go without saying. Right, yeah. Pick profiles that match you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, horses and, for courses. And then for me, <laughs> nice. I need to be in a breakaway. And I need to be in a breakaway with the established teams there. Because when that happens, mm-hmm. the field can just shut down. You're protected, kind of. And if you're the opposite, I don't want to drive three hours to a California race, miss the breakaway where it's uh, Tayroon, Mike Spikes, Cliff Bar. Uh, what's another big team down there? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. H twenty four. H twenty four. They don't really do many crits, but yeah, it could be them too. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, now it's it's Mark Pro. Mark Pro, maybe. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Whatever I'm sorry, is. Phil. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. if if they're there, like I, then all the all these one persons, they have to work together like solo riders yeah. to catch. It never happens. A bunch of a hugely committed, strong people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Pete, like. Is what do you think? Like, how how often should how should I try to get in this breakaway in this other rider? Um, if you're a solo rider, you don't have a team. Is a yeah. breakaway the best way to try to win? I if think you're not so. a sprinter. Yeah, uh, sprinting is hard, right? Unless you, if you want to really double down and become a sprinter, like we can do it. Um, but Ooh, we can try that one year. <laughs> we, we actually did. You can see the video. <laughs> no, no, that, I don't practice it. We could try. No, it I one know, day. but yeah, it's it's uh, Marcel yeah. Kittle it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean that you you treat the race so much differently if you're going to be a sprinter. Um you want the armchair ride for 50 minutes or mm-hmm. you know. So you have to race it so differently that if you want to be a sprinter, you have to be full in and be a sprinter and if you're not going to be a sprinter, you're pretty much going to win by being in a breakaway. Um yep. and th- that's the first decision you make at when you get to the race. You know, you can't uh, with the guys who are fast sprinters, if you cover a handful of moves just to see and then try to sprint, uh, you lose, right? Yeah. Because um, you, you have the people arresting. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think, I think with uh, most of our courses lend themselves to breakaways of like five, five-ish riders, five committed riders um, with, with teams represented. And really um, the strong guys, as long as one or two strong guys are in it to make the difference, to actually push it, to get the gap of 20 seconds, that maintain the, we always talk about maintaining the gaps, not that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's getting the gap and actually getting 20 or 25 seconds. And if you have five people in the break, you're pretty much guaranteed points. So then you just work. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of a nice thing in one respect. That is a benefit. That's seeing a silver lining of not having a team is if you're with that breakaway, that sort of a thing. Uh, if you're with like a really marked team, people are going to want to, you know, make sure that they send a lot of other people with you, kind of drag you back, that sort of thing. But you can kind of be a Trojan horse, so to speak, and sneak in with a group a bit. So, yeah. So if for everybody, <laughs> if you're racing with me and we're in a breakaway, y'all know I can't sprint and you know, though, I can put out. I'm a good draft and I can put out mm-hmm. high Watts for a long time. Don't kick him out. <laughs> well, no, just, I mean, uh, let's commit and let's sure. do this. And you'll beat me at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And if I get one point, what I got to do 35 of those races <laughs> to get <laughs> enough points. Such a very <laughs> sad outlook. <laughs> no, no. I am hopefully I can be one of you in the sprint. Maybe one of you over commits, but I mean, you give a, you have a high chance likelihood of, I think of beating me at the end, but we also have a higher likelihood of sticking. Um, one thing that's too different, this is, this is a little uh, local racing, but I think this happens a lot with other For teams, sure. is that we have a powerhouse team 
uh, Mike's Bikes right now. Mm-hmm. And they just got Jeff Linder from Tayroon. They got some guys from like Illuminate. They got a really yeah. fast junior that's like, that was winning, I think, P1T races yeah. last year. But and the, lo- for sprinters, they have <laughs> Matt Cho, Chat, Matt, Matt Chatleong. Um, He's good. Jeff Linder. So they're like one, two in a and, lot of these P1 two races. Yeah, Garrett's on Mike's bikes and he's another super fast sprinter. I mean, Chris they, Reichert, Roman. Yeah. They, all of them. they just pick every, all the fast people. They have they a just, lot of ways to win. They just bought the, they just bought the, they bought all the wins. They basically. Yankied it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They yanked it. But you, you had a good, uh, interesting thing to say that, uh, about they sometimes look, put people in the breakaway and not work. So yeah. talk about this strategy because it's a great strategy, although frustrating yeah. for everyone racing against so them. So they have such a good track record with their sprinters. I mean, they get first or se- mostly first, but first or second in all the races. They could get one, two, three. Yeah, in so, a lot of these. exactly. And so <laughs> it's, it's not worth it for them to put any eggs in the breakaway basket, except for getting a rider up there and then having him sit on. Um, and I won't say they do it all the time, but. More often than not, it, it's a clever move. Yeah, because then yeah. they don't have to work and they don't have to push the pace. Mm-hmm. And they'll either shut down the breakaway or have mm-hmm. a completely fresh person for the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which right? It's, it's what you so should yeah. do. If you have three, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna always have three, but if you have three strong sprinters and they have so many people each race that they could do a uh, a lead out. And you get somebody in the break and they just sit on the whole time for 40 so minutes as everyone's going hard. Two yeah. extremely good cards to play right there. And yeah. when one fails, the other's just better. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's a really good yeah. spot to be yeah, in. Yeah, you have an 80% chance in the breakaway and you have a 95% chance, chance in, in the, the sprint. sprint. You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll run those odds, <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, well, it turns then, out teams are good. <laughs> yeah. So how would you counter that if you're in the breakaway with somebody who is just sitting on? Yeah, I, I it actually happened at Land Park last year. Um, he was sitting on and we, we got fairly established and um actually about 15 minutes in he started t- attacking the breakaway right like i think we were getting a, a big enough gap that um it was more or less up to him to kind of destroy the breakaway mm. so he started attacking the breakaway and getting rid of b- both the weaker riders but attacking the stronger riders mm. and um so what ended up happening is we started countering him the the remaining strong guys but it's like you know you're punching holes in your boat like you're taking the breakaway which was your only chance of success and (laughs) throwing people over yeah yeah. and it's like well like crazy we we have to get rid of him to to for it to work and uh of course we got brought back but um i think what i would do is try to coax him into working be like hey i don't mind we won't we'll sit up um but if you if you pull through you don't have to pull just rotate like that's okay. Like sure. that's that saves just a bunch give of us, energy. Give us more time. Yeah. To rest in between efforts. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you don't just have say, to go crazy. And he'll fast. say no. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then usually I think um, if the breakaway is big enough, if it's three guys, I would just go back to the field and try again. Um, and if it's five guys, six guys, I would get halfway through the race. And if it's looking probable and the guy's not attacking you or whoever it is isn't attacking you. Um, you got to figure out a way to get rid of them. It's like that quote, some men just want to see the yeah. world burn. <laughs> right? And yeah. you got to be the first one to say that. Yeah. Like um, you got to be like, you got to be okay with the boat failing too in mm-hmm. that regard. Right. And then you've been pulling that plug. Yeah. And Cause if you do that first, many times that's going to be better. If you find yourself in that situation where it's not going to work out because mm-hmm. otherwise you'll end up wasting energy on a hope mm-hmm. that isn't likely to happen. And another good thing is if they, if they only have one person covering moves, sometimes they only have one or two person people covering moves. Um, 
time it so that you get the more tired one. Yeah. Uh, right. Like he, they've been doing a lot of work for the whole race and sure. then, then you can kind of put a little more pressure in the situation. Um, and if they're on the back foot just slightly, then you really lean into them and you start attacking that rider and they, they'll either sit on other people and make them cover and maybe you'll, you'll, you have a new breakaway. Right. And so it's hard though. It's a terrible, we, I raced collegiate races too. And UC Davis used to do this to us all the time. The same, they would, they would fire someone off the front five seconds into the race, the strong, one of the strongest riders solo breakaway on a road race and nobody would chase. And then they would have six of the other strongest riders sitting second through eighth wheel, just <laughs> waiting. <laughs> nice. And, Very uh, kind of them. Mike Spikes did this to me in, yeah. in uh, elite three. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be really, it'll be really interesting this year with the road races. Watch the videos. It'll be everybody versus Mike Spikes at this point. Oh, for road races. Yeah. I feel like they've gotten enough people that it's mm -hmm. just going to be like, everyone's going to have to like form strange alliances. Locally. Yeah. Uh, locally. Inter, uh, nationally, nationally, they're going to have a competition still. Oh, and of course. Th those will be super fun to watch. I'm just talking yeah. out locally. Yeah, yeah. Locally. They got but a lot of people nationally. I mean, they even have Max Chorus back the guy that beat Justin mm -hmm. Rossi in the chase, which oh, yeah. by the way, that video now has over a million views, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, you can check it out. It was Justin on our YouTube channel. Um, the chase, if you look it up and it's Justin Rossi's attempt to, to better his second place at nationals and how he went absolutely all in. It's a really cool story to see, but, uh, they have a really strong team. They're likely to get one. I mean, if they don't get one national championship this year, I'd be surprised. I, yeah. They, they, blew they have strong masters racers I, too. I would say, I, uh, yeah, I bet they can win a masters yep. title. Uh, I think Legion got more strong riders than it's, Mike Spikes did. Yeah. So. They're basically doing the same thing at a different mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, it'll, I think the national, uh, the whole racing scene will be pretty interesting this year. We lost some races too. So it'll actually make more people show up to the races that aren't, uh, yeah. that are there. Um, and Nate will be at the races. It's When's Tulsa Pete? Uh, second weekend in June, like June 11th, 12th, 13th, 13th, 14th, 15th or something. Go. That could be a good way to build up for nationals. Maybe wait, Tulsa tough. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. So, <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting distracted. First, uh, for, for Bogdan to try to, like, how can you do it? Because we just kind of laid out that P12s could be extremely hard. <laughs> yeah. But luckily, yeah. there are Cat 2-only stage races. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cat 2-only stage races could still have the same tactics. So just mm -hmm. be aware of that. But sure. some of those 1P1 people who are just on the next level won't mm -hmm. be in there. Yeah. Um, so how it works to go from Cat 2 to Cat 1, you need 35 points. You can get 10 of those from a local race series or masters racing, but then you got to get the other 25 by yourself. Yep. The good thing is for stage races, you can get a max of 20 points in a weekend. Mm -hmm. And my strategy is we're not going to name the stage races. I'm going to go to okay? <laughs> awesome. I was just going to say, let's try to yeah, <laughs> keep lids on things because right? I don't want people. Yeah. Just going yep. against us or whatever. It's annoying. Just let yeah. me win guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, is to do to find cat two only stage races. And if you know of any cat two stage races only, please put them in the forum post for this episode. What episode is this? 235. 235. And uh, flat TTs. Mm -hmm. And if it's a stage race, time-based, sometimes if you can do the flat TT, you pretty much win. Then you yeah. just have to cover and make sure you don't open up a big gap. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then for, I'm going to do some P12 crits and skip the uh, the master's feel because man, I've, all year I've raced always more than one race in a day and it is hard and it's hard. put all your eggs in one basket too exactly right? and try to get those 10 points from our weekly wheelman series i've i've won those locally and especially with youtube bros help mm -hmm. uh <laughs> we are the mike spikes yeah yeah fellow reno and stuff they're they're strong too exactly yeah. it, it can go either they're way really strong depending on who 
tactics and stuff. So, yep. um, and then Pete, you said sometimes two races are scored separately. Yeah. And that, that's partially how I got my one upgrade, um, doing some cat two only races, uh, or cat twos are scored separately where you would do, um, you race amongst the P one. Yeah. And they two, kind of pull they... the twos out of it and we didn't do enough research, so I won't spit out any, but, um, there are races that that does exist. So if you can find those where cat twos are scored separately, um, that's amazing. Cause that's if you up get to in the a... race organizer mm -hmm, to do that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. If you get in a breakaway with a bunch of ones and you're a two, mm -hmm. you're set. You're you set. Won. Like I, my first one, <laughs> two, three race, I thought we talked about this. I yeah. thought that's how it was scored. It was actually a one, two, three, four. Yeah. And I was in a breakaway with masters people. Yeah. And I thought, Hey, I'm, I'm in the first four. There's only ones and twos in this breakaway. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't contest the sprint. And then I was like, nope, you're sixth place. No points. I was like, <laughs> oh. Oh. anyways, yeah. the other kind of thing you could do is there are cat two crit series, mm -hmm. which I think he's going to do, but can we just go, do we have enough time? Can sure. we go through these? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. One tour of America's Dairyland. Mm-hmm. It's That's like 10 days, 11 days, 11 days. There's one or one or two road races, but road racing being in quotes. Got um, it. Are they kind of like circuit races almost? Uh, circuit races or they were, sometimes they do it on a road race course. Okay. So it's like 10 mile loops or, or less five yeah. mile loops, stuff like that. But, right. uh, it's all crit racers. It's a crit race. Nice. <laughs> less climbing, <laughs> less climbing. There's a, there's a couple hilly, hilly days, but I've, always was fine in those races. Okay. Um, you also get, uh, you can pick and choose. So if you have a bad day, just pull out, um, or you don't, don't feel good, ride easy for the first half and then just pull jump out. back yeah. in. Um, and you can pick and choose your days that you want to do well in this. You said this, is this your favorite race? It's probably my favorite race series. It's so fun. The, all the towns are really into it. It's really well done. There's good huh. prizes. There's good crowds. There's good racers. Um, it's always pretty safe. Um, and it's easy to drive through. They're all within an hour or two of Milwaukee. So, nice. or one of whichever race you pick as your home base, they're yeah. all close. Wow. Interesting. Intelligentsia Cup. Oh, wait, where is uh, Tour of America's Day? Um, it's in Wisconsin yeah. uh, around Milwaukee. Yeah. And sorry, we're talking about U.S. races. Around that region. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Intelligentsia Cup. Um, I actually haven't done this one, um, but other people it's, it's, uh, Jeff Linder did it. He can yeah. watch his videos. I think he did a video for everyone. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like West, uh, Chicago mm -hmm. and it looks scary. It looks <laughs> crashy and, uh, aggressive. The courses look a little bit hairier to me on that one. And I think the people are more aggressive, like you said. Yeah. Um, so remember from last year, yeah. he was even saying these people are way aggressive, more yeah. aggressive than Northern California. Mm -hmm. Yep. Gateway Cup. Um, Gateways in St. Louis. It's at the end of the year. It's really, uh, it's another one where the town is super behind it. Um, I think to, I, I don't know. We should look at the race flyer and races change every year just oh, because yeah. they did something last year. Doesn't mean they'll yeah. do it next year. Um, but it's another, it's really good to kind of, if you can hang at a real national level P12 crit, you go back to your normal regional crit. It's, it's going to feel really easy. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just uh, a mental shift. Yeah. Just a mental shift. And you just cap realize what you're capable of doing. Um, I remember we did uh, Tulsa, well, Tulsa is the next one, but where you start and you pretty much go till your eyes bleed for the first 10 minutes and then it settles down and you only go 95% of your eyes bleeding. And then you come <laughs> back to California and everybody eases off the line and you're like sprinting. <laughs> and when you look up 10 seconds of the race and you're already 50 feet off the front and you're like, oh yeah, we're back in, in the normal racing. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. Um, Tulsa tough, Tulsa tough. That one's hard. I think it's, we always say it's kind of like the most condensed, the most 
best writers all come to Tulsa. And so it's really stacked. Um, There is a separate, it's a P1 field and a 1-2 field. So if you feel confident in your fitness, you're good at hilly crits, hilly technical crits. um, It's a great, yeah. I feel like that would be a great one for John, but not for me. Yeah, it's John's hilly, punchy, I go technical. So bad. You would yeah. like it. It's I fun. I want to go so bad. It looks uh, usually, awesome. Usually it rains. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Makes it even better. Yeah, yeah. that's like this is yeah, all yeah, things yeah. for John. This is great. Yeah, and you'd, you'd be a three. Yeah, and they do. I think uh, they do a three only race. At I least think, they did last year. Yeah. I watched it on the the live stream on Flow yeah. Sports. Yeah, I would. So. A, a Tulsa Tough is one almost everybody should do once. Yeah, and the crowds so cool. look amazing. Looks awesome. <laughs> we can we can do it once here. Just get uh, dropped once. What about no. one lap? And so these are just like the, these are these. They have multiple races mm-hmm. all in like one week, right? Yeah, series racing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One other one that I want to do, and I know it's not part of this, though, is Boise Twilight Crit. Mm-hmm. Even though that one's pan flat, but that looks like a good one for me. I, think I you have should definitely pan do it. flat, not technical corners. Yep. and you can do the one two three race. Um, yep, like the one With I you? yeah. Well, oh yeah, you got. What would you get? We got a video of this. I got second. Second. You can oh, check out the video. It is an awesome race because <laughs> we have great. the uh, we have the USA Crits footage from above too. Mm-hmm. Thank so you, USA Crits. Yeah. Yep. So it's a whole nother level. Uh, yeah. It's really cool. I wish I would have been that regular with you. I watched I it. I'm like, oh, you're you just would, dying too. Yeah, you would have smoked me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would have been awesome though. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm going to try to do the P1 race this year. I yeah. I like. I mean, that's like my favorite race. So I really want to be fast and good. Um, you would you just do both? Make the roster, right? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I have to make the roster. I have to be one of six fastest guys on you the race. You should use Plan Builder. I, hey, I, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm a week and a half in because good. I. I uh, put it on my plan before everybody else did. Ooh, sneaky peek. <laughs> That's cool. It's exciting. Uh, makes me want to race some crits right now. Uh, we're going to go into the last one for today, and then we're going to cover some live questions that you've submitted. Uh, so this one, we'll just go through this one pretty quick. Um, but basically, it says, I'm a train road user because of the podcast. You guys are great. I've been really pleased with the product. This is from Johnny, by the way. My wife asked me what I wanted for Christmas. My first thought was, Envy Wheels. No, Avenge. Then I remembered <laughs> she should buy my gift uh, from the same bank account that I use. So he says, so I thought of other useful cycling things. I remember you talking about body fat scales. I think the discussion was precision rather than accuracy or talking about quality fans. I remember Chad saying it looked like the, that they dry the carpet with or sleep monitoring watches. I know I could use, uh, I could search the forum and find the brands you could recommend for each of those product categories. But I wonder if you might do a holiday buying guide of sorts, maybe talk about various ideas and various price ranges, specifically if a family member or friend who wasn't a cycling nerd. And I mean that very complimentary (laughs) wanted to buy you something that wasn't a gift card. What would you recommend? Um, so I guess first things first on the fan is the Lasco performance series. If you just look up Lasco performance series, you'll see a bunch of different options that are all, uh, they're all good options. I've seen the, I've used the small gray one, the big gray one, the small yellow one, and they're all fine, um, in different, in different cases. Uh, and then for the body fat scan, uh, we've used Tanita scales. The BF 680 W is pretty cheap. I think it's like $40, $50, somewhere around there. And then they have like other ones that have like Iron Man certified, but uh, they function the same. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so the BF 680 W I think is the cheapest one. I have the Garmin index at home and mm-hmm. it syncs with Garmin connect, which is really nice. Uh, so then I just have a, like a log of my data, mm-hmm. uh, which is handy to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- so that's kind of what's that on there. And then as far as like a sleep monitoring watch, I don't, I don't really have one that I would recommend that really, I mean, none of them give me any sort of data point that influences my training. 
So I, I, I don't think I'd recommend one in particular. Mm -hmm. um, but what are the things, Nate, would you say uh, for cyclists? Okay. I've <clears throat> talked about some of these before, but a Yeti one gallon jug for races that you drive to, mm -hmm. these are like, it's hard to buy things for people. Um, but this is one of the things you probably wouldn't normally buy for yourself, but cause it's expensive. How much is this thing? Like a hundred bucks or something yeah, like that. They're expensive. It is $130 yeah. for a jug of water, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the water is ice cold and it and stays just, ice cold. Yeah. And having it at a race, like either after the race or to mm -hmm. fill your bottles up, or if you do more than one race is to have ice cold water that mm -hmm. you can put ice in, oh, um, it's very, very nice. So good. And, uh, and you can also go with other brands other than Yeti. There's like Arctic, um, yeah, for half the price probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hydro flask even, Hydro, but you're saving money on buying ice and the one gallon of jug of water that you buy, or you fill up your bottles and you have no water in your car and um, then it gets hot and, and you come back to yeah, it. No, yeah. it. And this, also you're buying plastic. You're just going to throw away. So, yeah. so I've, I have this in my car in Northern California weather in the summer where it's like a hundred degrees, still come back and it's ice cold. Yep. So that's a, that's a so. luxury. Um, the Silica travel torque wrench. I really like this. Uh, you like another one from feedback uh, sports. Feedback sports. Yeah. The, they function a bit differently, but they get the same job done. Yeah. Yep. So this is, uh, having a torque wrench with all the little bits. That's very small. It, this one's designed to be able to put in your Jersey pocket. I put it in my like rain bag yes. um, that I always mm -hmm. have. So then I always have tools with a torque wrench because huh, I need it. Yeah, now you need it. Now I need it. I did not have this one before. Uh, <laughs> Nate checks his bolts now. Yeah. And then um, for a little less expensive Super Caz bar tape. I just love that bar tape. Yeah. I've got some bikes that don't have it and I just can't wait until I put the other stuff on. It's it's, it's sticky nice and, and soft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like the Super Kush. Yep. Um, super Kush. I think it's Super Kush. Super, super Caz, Super Kush. Yeah. That sounds right. Super. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> anyways, that's, Thanks. those are people that make weird brand names that are hard to. So it's like 130, the Silica is like what a hundred. And then the Super Caz is like 40 bucks, something like that. Something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Uh, what would you add? Pete? Um, the only one that I said that really makes a difference, um, is a bike fit from a respected fitter, which it can be hard to find, which can be hard to find. Um, you might have to travel. Um, I do think that that's probably the single biggest change I made to my whole cycling career was getting a real bike fit. And then I changed too. So you kind of have to keep on it. Was Adjusting it. it. Um, I've done it a couple different ones. I've done uh, JD Bergman in uh, Sports Basement in Oakland. Um, he's done a good one. And S Stefan Hoffman on, in my, um, in on both are on Team Cliff Bar. So that kind of helps. Uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but uh, he lives in Santa Cruz and actually Zach Allison does them in Fort Collins also. I think just having someone who under who isn't uh, applying a template to you and yes. making your angles okay, um, but who talks about what kind of racing you want to do, kind of who you are as a person, and what kind of bike you're doing, um, especially if they're not selling you a bike, it it just changes the way you feel on the bike. I think every time you s sit on your bike, you should go, oh, I get to sit on my bike now, and it feels good. Yeah. If it doesn't feel that way, um, get a fit. Try it out. Uh, uh, another one. Oh yeah, one more. Um, race tires that you only use for racing um you should take this advice pete yeah, I, I think pete got like a flat like <laughs> six times last year on the way to crits uh, yeah like like weekly crits and then ended up being laid or something yeah like that. it yeah. was i uh so that's <laughs> i rode my training wheels to the crit yeah and then flatted yeah, yeah. anyways but i <laughs> i do have two sets of wheels i have race wheels and training wheels um my race wheels always have very nice like race tires on them yeah. with like less than 
100 or 200 miles. What do you mean by race tires? They're the same tires that you would use probably, or maybe not. They just to be like faster rolling. Yeah, sort of faster stuff. rolling. Um, everybody has their different preferences. Mm -hmm. um, but ones that, uh, yeah, are new, grippy. Um, tires make a difference. Like yeah, the difference do. of you cornering and stopping is all due to your tires. So yes, don't chance it. Nate, you had another one. Oh yeah. So for triathletes, um, getting, buying somebody an optimized chain. Yeah. So if you're a crit racer, it's tough because you might be racing 25 times a year and then like the optimized chain chain on and off, you're using quick links or you're using them and you can have a, a, a big issue. Yeah. Um, that's not, not cool. It. But if you're a triathlete and you have a, you know, one to two races a year, then it yeah. makes sense. And there's, there's a few companies that do it, but you, you can look it up, but you can do an optimized chain for somebody and put it on a week before your race. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not going to, it's not going to go away, but lose all the Watts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah, you exactly. want to make sure like we had in Kona before, like sure. the chain length is right. So you can shift, mm -hmm. um, like everything's working. Okay. Like the, the index is, is set up because with the wax chain, you also want to like get a little bit of that wax off sure. when you're first going, when you're first doing it to, um, really mm -hmm. get it optimized. And I'm not sure if some of these companies run it a little bit before, but, uh, when you, I, I have it right now, a freshly waxed chain on my trainer. And after one 90 minute ride, there's like just tons of little flicks down of wax. Yeah, exactly. Place, um, from the outside and stuff coming off and mm -hmm. it shifts better after it kind of gets worn in for the first mm -hmm. 10 or 15 minutes. Yep. That's a cool, I mean, they're like a hundred bucks, but they can take five, some people probably 10 Watts based on how bad your chain was before. Yeah. And just because you lube your chain every week does Doesn't not mean, mean it's, fast. it's not the same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to get detailed on this one really quick, but go through it quickly. Things that have changed bike ownership and training for me is a, dig a digital shock pump. Like it's, it's, it's more expensive. And I know anytime you get a bike, it usually comes with like a normal analog gauge mm -hmm. shock pump. But once you get a digital one, it makes a huge difference because half a PSI, when you're talking about suspension makes a really big difference. So when you're trying to guess with a needle, yeah. it's just not best. So get a digital shock pump. It's the, um, Fox has one rock shocks has one. There are other companies that have them. They all look exactly the same. So I don't know what company makes it, but it's all the same digital mm -hmm. shock pump and it works great. <clears throat> the KOM cycling sealant injector, which I think, uh, the guy that runs KOM cycling is a listener to the podcast. So mm -hmm. shout out. Um, but this is an awesome little tool that has made tubeless setup way easier for me, mm -hmm. which is just basically it it's, you take out your valve core and then you put this hose all the way down inside your tire and then you inject the sealant rather than just injecting it over the top, because then everything gets clogged really quickly with your valve stem and clogged valve stems. I mean, you never get an accurate reading on tire yeah. pressure it takes forever to uh, inflate things. Sometimes they don't inflate, then they always leak. It's rough. And you put the right amount of sealing in. Uh, there's a lot of benefits. It's a and it's less messy. Less yes. messy. It's, it's just a handy thing to have. And I guess alongside that too, is whether you get a small reservoir for tubeless, and we'll get into this in a bit, but whether you get a red, a separate reservoir that you pump up and use to slam tubeless tires on onto the bead or an air compressor or a pump with a built in, something like that can, is really helpful. If somebody's doing a lot of tubeless tires, then a feedback sports, the work stand that they have. And I think I have the elite one. I think it's called the pro elite. Uh, that one just has a button that you press. And when you press the button, it releases your bike. There's no like big old uh, thing to pull big old thing to pull. There's no like you think you have to unwind. It's so handy. Uh, feedback sports also has a truing stand, but the cool part about it is a truing for disc, uh, disc wheels, disc wheels. So, so you can true the rotors on the, on yes, the which is 
to me, mm. a rubbing rotor is the most annoying thing. It's the worst. And it's pretty small, which is nice. Yep. Um, so their work stand's really nice, and it comes with a bag that you can, like, uh, I've, I I took it to Nationals, for example, so I just checked it, and it's mm -hmm. got a bag made for that that's all padded, which is cool. And they have a uh, toolkit, and I have, I think they're like a... It's like their pro level toolkit or whatever. It's pricey, but I promise you, if you get that for the person that is a cyclist in your life, they'll be like, thank you so much. Cause maybe three times a year, I reach for a tool outside of that when I'm working on my bike. Mm -hmm. And that's like when I'm pressing bottom bracket bearings or something. Right. Yeah. So it's very rare. So, and the cool part is if you get the work stand and that, that is made to hang on the work stand and it's just so easy. It makes everything great. Now things I want, there are just three of them, a 350 watt FTP. So, Me too. Yeah. yeah. Santa, <laughs> please, please be kind. Uh, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this one. People are going to hate me for this one, but I want the Envy air pressure station what, what really badly. <clears throat> so, uh, Tucker will put up a link in the forum for this, but it's basically, so this can mount to a wall or mount to a surface and it is a uh, inflation management tool. Basically. Yes. <laughs> that was, that was such a thing. You basically can set favorites. So you basically, it's a digital gauge and it's a governor for a compressor. So you, you have to buy a compressor separately from this. And I know it's, it's really expensive, uh, but you buy a compressor separately or have some sort of cylinder of air that's charged. Yeah, whatever charge, you use. charge cylinder also works, right? And then you basically just dial in the digital pressure you want. So let's say you want 23.5 PSI, you go 23.5 PSI, and then it's got a really easy and awesome Presta and Schrader lock-on uh, mm -hmm. thing, not a weird lever that'll be hard to fit in. Put it on there and then you just press go and then it inflates perfectly for you to that pressure. If you And it has a tubeless button, so you can hit the tubeless button, it'll just slam it onto the tire for you. And then you can save different mm -hmm. bikes. You can save it in memory. Yeah. So you can have like your road bike is always 72 PSI. Then your mountain bike is always 21 PSI. And you never have to think about anything. You just hook it up and hit the button and Inaccurate. it's done. And yes, accurate. and it's accurate. Very accurate. It's amazing. It's also $750. But, so. but it's amazing. <laughs> and <laughs> once you use it. You just don't want to not use it. And, yeah. and we made the mistake of using yeah, it. We now did we that. just don't. I want one too. We I used it at Kona. One. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I also want the Cybertruck. <laughs> <laughs> We're just throwing gas on fire. So yeah. Which I'm sure people will, uh, it's controversial, but I think it looks awesome. And it's for I a cycling so truck. Ooh, I could put my car in or my bike inside the bed. Yep. Lock it's it secure. up. That's what I do with, yeah. Oh, I, I can lean it that, against but... it, not yeah. worry about scratching, but with the NV air pressure stations, if I bring it up, I'm going to mount that thing inside of it because it has inside its own air compressor built in. Mm -hmm. You're going to, I'm going to have a line at my <laughs> truck of people going like, can I use it? And yes, you can all use it. Yes. Just come on up and, uh, I should, I should set up trainers in that and just be the most popular person and like coffee and tacos <laughs> yeah. oh, you'd and be just set. jugs of cold water. Yeah. Yeti jug, Yeti jug, yeah, Yeti jug. <laughs> Man, that's a, yeah, a lot of reason to hate. I have a whole station, uh, but I should, I think it's, it's small enough where depending uh, on how I can small. mount it, I can mount it in there where it's not going to get in the way. Yeah. But then anywhere I go, which I'm always have my car, at least yeah. the beginning of the ride when I start a bike ride, unless I'm traveling, yeah. I'm going to have my perfect air pressure. Oh, yep. it'd be so, it's yeah, be nice. it'd be an awesome setup. So, um, yeah, uh, those are things. And then also the last thing I want to somehow avoid getting sick for the next eight months. So, uh, move was, out from your house with your son <laughs> and don't <laughs> eat any more spinach. Uh, yeah. I was mostly better. <laughs> got food poisoning. It was terrible. And then now I'm, uh, it, it, I think it broke me down again and I'm sick again. We so. went long. We did. Uh, let's just cover a couple. Cool. Uh, shall we? Your choice. So, okay. Uh, let's look at this. Um, 
Ooh, we actually talked about that one on our previous episode. Gavin says, in Utah, where I live and many big cities, the winter air quality is really bad. Does the poor air, air quality affect train? Oh, sorry, one second, I got a pot. Does cor- poor air quality affect uh, training? And would an air filter be beneficial? I don't know about training, but uh, we do know for uh, like mortality rate. Mm-hmm. So yes, air filter. Yeah, uh, it, definitely. 100%, especially yeah. in Salt Lake, their quality is terrible. It's really Yeah, because they get an inversion, right? Yeah, they mm-hmm. get an inversion because of the Great Salt Lake. It just compounds and it just doesn't leave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a good idea. Yeah, we did a study on ozone too, or we didn't do a study. We, we shared uh, results from a study on ozone and human performance. If you look up Ask a Cycling Coach podcast ozone i'm sure you'll be able to find it i thought you were gonna say the number i was um, like whoa you no, are you are a database <laughs> that would be amazing i wish um uh that that one uh, we looked into that and i believe the findings that we found that they weren't necessarily conclusive in terms of performance detriment but absolutely in terms of health effects they are there so it's not worth risking it for sure um okay uh this is a great one where in a climb should i put more power in for my best time or should i have even power this is like the most common question uh, in terms of like race pacing that we get for sure. And we get this one quite a lot. Uh, best bike split is always interesting to look at, but if it's a short climb, uh, which Ryan Cooper from best bike split has said that like, it's tough to kind of assimilate that when mm-hmm. you're talking about it, like a short climb. Um, but like, and I mean like a 30 second climb or like one minute climb or something. But for longer, more steady climbs, it can be a really good idea. And in almost every case, it suggests to pace things more evenly than you probably want to. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a factor on if this is for Strava or is this is in a race. Because in a race, it's probably not going to be even pacing. Like the yeah. smaller guys, the steeper it gets, you're going to punch and drop mm-hmm. everybody else. Yeah. Or, or the better watt per kg people, uh, yeah. athletes, not guys. Got to yeah. get over that. Uh, but for in general, if wind resistance is not playing a factor at the lower speeds, so you're not going, say you're going 10 miles per hour and less. The evening pacing is what you want because instead of doing over unders or these like, like mm-hmm. these cross style things where you're going really hard than easy, really hard than easy, you're gonna you're you're gonna be able to put out more average watts mm-hmm. at a sustained effort. Mm-hmm. And that's so that's why it is. And if you are only overcoming rolling resistance and gravity, and you don't have a big impact for wind resistance, that is why putting out just average watts is best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it, it, that's how I usually pace my like hill climb TTs is much more even than most people. And it almost always ends up working out well. And especially if this isn't a stage race and you have like a hill climb TT in the middle, if you're constantly just spiking and going over and over and over, that's going to probably cause more wear on your system for the next day. So, oh, yeah, that too, yeah. you know, so it's a good thing to keep in mind for sure. Um, okay. Uh, let's do one more question. Uh, looks like, uh, this is from Andrew says this one's for Pete. Um, is the USA crit scene growing in 2020 and what are your top three must do events? Yeah. Um, USA crits, uh, got some more backing and, um, it's kind of sweet because like we have talked about some races are going away. We were just, we were all excited to do some stage racing this spring. Um, yeah. and San Dimas and Chico stage race aren't happening. They aren't happening. It's and so, so that's always a good lead in. Um, but USA crits is growing, which is nice. Um, 
top three must-do events. Um, Boise is my favorite race for sure. Uh, we talk about it all the time. Um, yeah, it's cool. our directors from there. Um, it's kind of like our home race. Uh, like the I, city's super into it, and it's like right in the heart of the city. You like, go in front of the Capitol building. Like the start-finish line is at the Capitol building. Yeah. So um, and, and it's really walkable city too. So there's a lot of people and it's cool. yeah. The it's it kind of they dropped it right in the center of where you walk around and spend your time anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's perfect. Um, yeah, the town really behind it that's a good course for me that helps too yeah. um yeah <laughs> these are, what you're about to get is all the flat yeah. crits in america yeah. well um it's also entirely downhill the whole time yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 uh <laughs> the, the parking garage crit yeah um we I, we also we do like san rafael i i love that it's dark and fast and scary um it's, yeah, it's a that race makes you feel alive. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Nate, <laughs> Nate looked ill right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate, yeah. Nate stayed up right. He almost, he would have won. I, I watched the video. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about winning, but you would. I was won. in a good you position. Won. Yeah, yeah, you would have won to do well. I uh, think you don't say you would have won, but we can say you would have won. Like, How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, honestly, they're all really fun. Uh, if you get the chance to go to any USA Crits race. Do it. Even if you're racing a lower category, stick around and watch. Um, I think the live stream, I I shouldn't say, I don't, I, I think there's going to be more live streams that are available to the public okay. for less cost or no cost. Also, I don't know if this is somehow happening like illegally, but I, I pay for flow sports. That's like that subscription to watch a bunch of cycling races and I could see USA crit stuff. So right. Good to know. they must've had some sort of agreement or I don't know what I was happening. It's an agreement. But yeah, I hope I didn't just out something, but like, um, but yeah, because that was really fun to watch last year. Um, yeah, uh, and at, for it's me, fun to watch while you're or while you're training. Oh, it's on the awesome. Mm -hmm. And for me, Tulsa absolutely had like the highest energy. Salt Lake actually had a good amount of energy to mm -hmm. it too. It was just a little hard to follow, maybe with the camera angles. But yeah, um, that one next year I think actually falls at a good date for me because nationals is happening so early. Mm. So I might go like on a crit tour after nationals. Can I, I come? Can, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> can I come? Boise, Salt Lake. Yeah. And then there's one other that would be after nationals, but Tulsa um, is Littleton before. is also another that's good it. one. It's Littleton. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where, where is that? Colorado. That's South Denver. It's a South suburb of Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, it's cool. It has some long straights. So you yeah. go like 35, 36, 40 miles an hour into the camera turns. just like stay would stay for like two or three minutes on like one <laughs> stretch as the riders are just get closer and closer and closer. So, yeah. Littleton's yeah. another home or home race for us, right? We have a pretty big, uh, like greater front range contingent. So yeah. it's, it's racing in front of your friends and family is yeah. the best. Looks awesome. Uh, uh, one last thing yeah. I should put in the forum and if, for you Australians, I'm going to be in Australia the week of. Um, let's see, I'm going to land on Thursday, March 5th in Sydney. And there's that like sixth, seventh, eighth, I have an opportunity to race. So if there's any crits down there Ooh. and you should, if you listen, you know what kind of crits I like, if it's just like <laughs> hilly or like road races, <laughs> it's like, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would love to do some races. So if you post any in there or just some rides, um, that'd be fun. And I will talk about it more when we get closer, but yeah, that'd be cool. Australians seem fast to me. I know. I don't oh. know if it's just the accent or what, but they all seem fast. <laughs> I want to do some, we talked about this, we're gonna do some videos and the result will either be, uh, most likely I'll get smoked and Americans will say, send a real crit racer like Pete Morris. <laughs> Or if Ouch. I do beat anyone, Australians will say, well, that wasn't our premier race. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, so yeah, come to this sure. other, now you got to come to this it's other one. It's a lose-lose. I know. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's a little bit of home turf. You always want yeah, for uh, sure. to show. Mm -hmm. All the Australians want me just to get 
destroyed one lap in, <laughs> which probably will happen. Yeah, it might happen. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Remember, you can join us live on YouTube, and that's usually every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, and it will be for next week as well. You can ask your questions on there, and then we try to answer as many as we can. We went a little long this week, so we didn't get to a lot of them, but thanks for joining us there. You can also go to YouTube. We post a video every single weekday, whether it's a race analysis clip, whether it's a, a clip of a previous podcast discussion that we feel like would help make people faster, tons of different stuff. So you can subscribe there and share those videos. It's hugely helpful. Sign up for Trainer Road and check out Plan Builder. It's amazing. It's so much fun to be able to build out like a whole year of training and just see mm -hmm. what it would be like. You can test out now and see what would low volume, what would mid, what would high volume be like? What would it be like if I tried to peak for this race versus this race? You can change all that stuff around. Mm -hmm. It's a ton of fun. So go check it out. And one of the biggest things you can do to help us is to share this podcast. It helps a ton. So thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was your turn. <laughs>